Hello and welcome to episode 309 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett and Jack Harper. After another fantastic weekend of Premier League action, I'm sure TK would agree, we are here to break down the biggest talking points and look ahead to Southgate's selection for the World Cup and maybe a bit on the Champions League draw. We'll see uh, how much time we've got. But before we get into that, how are we all doing today? Well, um, not great. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how else to put it, if I'm being brutally honest. But yeah, there we go. Yep. How are you, TK? Significantly better than last week, strangely. I don't know. Something, <laughs> I don't know. Not sure why. Yep, we were supposed to be recording in person. Jack's hangover supposedly has got the better of him, despite TK being away drinking for the last five days. So if you can add that up. That's um, what a loss to Arsenal will do to a man, obviously. <laughs> Doesn't quite compute, but we still do have plenty to get into. And we will start with the news of the week. Please. Don't lick this psychedelic toad, National Park Service warns. <laughs> How good do the effects from a toad have to promise to be for you to lick it? Is it Homer Simpson that licks a toad and goes nuts? I can't remember which one it is. I'm not a Simpsons guy. So. It feels like psychedelic toads have been a prolific sort of a <laughs> trope that have been explored. I mean, there's Hypnotoad from Futurama. I don't know if anyone's seen that. No, but you do strike me as a Futurama guy, which yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't really know how to explain that, but I feel like <laughs> TK would know what I mean. I'm, I'm, nodding, I'm nodding along here. I'm <laughs> really out. I don't know how to explain it. I'm taking it as a compliment, however. Well, <laughs> paintballs to be shot at Dutch wolves in bid to make them less tame. <laughs> to make them less tame? Yeah, supposedly <laughs> they're, they're too comfortable around people. <laughs> And I'm sick they, of how nice they, they need to scare them off a bit, so they have to. So they want to keep more of a distance from humans. Maybe they should do that to the wolf squad. Like, look, you're <laughs> playing shit. We fire hey. paintball guns at you to liven you up a bit. We've got them on Saturday, so uh, we'll spend the duration of this pod building them up. Um, nurse charged with abuse for allegedly cutting dying man's foot off without permission. Did he end up dying? That is one of a number of things which are there to unpack. I don't know how you allegedly cut a man's foot off. I feel like it's either off or it's not. (laughs) Abuse feels fairly clear cut. And can you give permission for someone to cut your foot off? Like, is that a thing? I'm not sure the permission is the issue there. I don't know. I think it's pretty significant. I think I think you need permission. Um, but if a nurse in a hospital is saying to like your loved one, can I cut your foot off? If you come into the hospital, they've got one less foot in it, but they gave me permission. I, I think that's pretty key. I think if you, I don't know, came round from some sort of coma anaesthetic and just went with, well, look, we just used our initiative. I feel like it's an issue either way. Uh, whether he survived or not does seem significant. <laughs> if he died anyway... Rough. Woman who looks like Jim Carrey says life is hard. <laughs> uh, man who wore Hitler costume for Halloween is fired from his job. Oh, it's, it's such a grey area, isn't it? No, I, I don't no, know. <laughs> no, I'm not I'm sure, sure it is. No, no, 
More, more so from the fact that you've had royalty dress up as it, so you kind of think it's okay. Well, one rule for them, one for all for us. I would say, Jack, f- for future Halloween parties, not a grey area. Yeah, I suppose I would be edging on the side of caution on that. And I don't know how you ever think that's going to go well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could just try and say it's Charlie Chaplin, I suppose. Yeah. It's just a bit like fun. It. When you're replacing your Stone Island with the swastika on your arm. Get the badge in. So you, so you really cares about getting the badge in at that point. It's an issue. I can't believe that he was the, just the starter of get the badge in. Hitler. <laughs> we'll, we'll move on from there. Uh, I don't know if any of you would have seen this. Uh, giant runaway Christmas baubles tumble through London street wreaking havoc. No. They're like Crash Bandicoot boulder size. <laughs> Sounds like good fun. I don't know how heavy they were, like if they were hollowed out, but yeah, mental. I'm not sure why they're up yet anyway. But anyway, that is your news of the week, which um, I'm trying to get that as more of a I did wonder. jingly way of me saying it. If you've picked that up as the weeks have gone on, Fulham Man City is a good place to start. And there is only one thing to talk about, really. Was it a penalty? TK, I think you freshly watched match of the day. Yep. What were your thoughts? Oh, I mean, soft as soft is going to get, isn't it? Um, I know he he does technically touch him, so you're going to go with that. But I I wouldn't have it as a pen. The issue for me is I did make quite a clear stance about touches in the area. You did only a few weeks ago. <laughs> I know you wouldn't go back on that because you didn't want City to win. I know you wouldn't. Now I would say there was more in one than the other. <laughs> I would have it down with the other one as soft. The the biggest crime of all. Now I don't know if you'll I don't know if you'll know about this. For the last ten minutes, for some bizarre reason, I put on Soccer Saturday. Now I was checking the odds in play, and City were less than evens with five minutes left. By the way, and ten men, which is just a disgrace. <laughs> Harland was like two to one to score next. Oh, the God. whole thing was just horrible. I hear the penalty, and you're kind of resigned to the fact that they're definitely going to score this. Clinton Morrison, I'm pretty sure that's who it was, yells out that Leno saved it. <laughs> and then laughs and goes, no, 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 sorry, my mistake, it's in. <laughs> the way I went up and then so quickly crashed back down. And I'll take it back. No, he scored actually, that's <laughs> We're 14 weeks into the season. I don't know how much more of this I can take. Hey, look, it's not for the faint-hearted. Well, I would say it should be easier for me as well by the fact that I still, and I'll put this on the record, you may think I'm just doing an Arteta, I still don't think it's a title race. The Liverpool City one, history has shown that this was quite clearly a title race between the two sides going back-to-back and we knew that they could do it. So that surely... It should be less of an issue to me, but it didn't feel like one. Yeah, I'll confirm it will only get worse with time. This is as good as it's going to get. You're going to get more pain. Although I will say, and we'll get onto the Chelsea results, um, I like the idea of people tuning in like this is match of the day, like they don't check the results before they listen, but I'm assuming people (laughs) do. I'm not sure we play the same way if City have dropped points just from my years of watching Arsenal, but... I guess we'll never know. Um, 
hard for Fulham to feel too aggrieved. They had 70 minutes with an extra man as City still had 71% of the ball. I'm not there for their Twitter admin tweeting out, so cruel, so cruel. Get up the pitch a bit more. You've got the extra man. It is, but then is that, I mean, it was crazy how good City are, wasn't it? It's just how much they are able to dictate possession still, even with, you know, if they went down to nine men, they might have had more possession. Yeah, I saw the stats of uh, the games played with 10 men and I've made a mistake in not taking down the duration of how far this goes back. City had the best record when playing with 10 men, which oh, is probably as you'd expect. They're pretty much 50-50. They have, I think it was 14 red cards in this period. Arsenal have 21, by the way. <laughs> um, and we're, not as success- we're not as successful either. Ours is about... I think it's more of a 30-70 with a couple of draws sprinkled off that 70 percentage. But um, the heat maps of De Bruyne, Gundogan and Bernardo were pretty astounding if you do get a chance to look at them. Like, <laughs> it and it's, like it's like significantly lit up as well. Not like patches, like significantly lit up. It's just terrifying. Pep said that, and I'm paraphrasing here, when most teams go down to 10, you sit behind the ball and you tuck in and you try and choose your periods to attack when, as we all heard growing up, it's more tiring not having the ball than it is having the ball. And so they effectively decided to just man mark. They all took a man each and left a centre-back free. And if, you're, if they got past your man, it was your fault and you were going to be the one that was to blame until it got to the next man and so on. Nice. And they said that's effectively how they fronted it up and they were able to just track across the whole pitch and still suffocate Fulham despite having a man less. Outrageous, isn't it? How good they are. Yeah, he said, I think, I think they had it earlier in the season against Brighton, I'm going to say. And he said afterwards, maybe it was last season, that the players would, would have been too tired after the game to even pick up the phone and speak to him. And he said just the distances they ran this time around, and I know the data does back it up, they actually ran more. It's just freakish. When you add the desire and the athleticism on top of the technique that they possess, it's just freakish. I think like they've built this dynasty almost of they know every game counts. They know that having had these run-ins with Liverpool where it's been decided by a point here and there, um, anything could happen. And three points now are just as valuable as three points at the end of the season. That's why they're able to find this this extra gear or this extra level of resolve where you put that in front of, I mean, I don't know, anyone... 99% of teams. Yeah, 99% of teams now, they'll just give up because they think, oh, it doesn't matter. Like... If you're in a top four battle, you can afford to drop a few points because you, the chances are your rivals will also. Whereas these guys are just like, what? No, game it's, it's usual. And then they back that they have that quality, the better quality yeah. over the opponent as well as that. So being able to bring Haaland off the bench isn't bad, to be fair. <laughs> um, and I, can't, I saw some Arsenal fans, which I didn't like. Um, and that's I don't really need to carry on, but. They were tweeting <laughs> screenshots of their celebrations, like this. This is how Arteta's got these man acting, and look, they can say they're not in a title race. Pep, whether you believe him or not, is saying that there is one. 
And a 94th minute winner with 10 men. We celebrated more than that against Wolves last season and we were going for fourth. Mm. So I, I, I don't. I mean, They're kind of missing the point as well because everything you just said about their mentality and their desire links back to that. So they will celebrate this like it's a big win where it might look like nothing to everyone else, but they know that these wins count big where other teams maybe don't quite grasp that. I actually think we're doing them a favour as well. This feels like um, us being on top at the moment is giving them just enough excitement before they inevitably take over. Like when you put the live bait in with a snake rather than just dropping it <laughs> in there, like, like playing a mate on FIFA, you need them to just be good enough that you can celebrate the win because mm. there's no fun in beating someone 6-0 every game. Mm. But they've got that, whether it's us, whether it's Liverpool. And I don't know if they need that to push on. I guess we if we suddenly our form dipped horribly if after the World Cup everyone else just stunk the place out it'd be interesting to see if their points per game dropped but I don't it would be minimal because yeah. we've, seen, we've seen them do it both ways we've seen them go, the, go down the stretch and we've seen them rack up 100 points when no one else was near it so yeah now the highlight game of the weekend um, for two of us here we don't have Alex with us um, he should be back next week although I did say that last week um Jack, I think the best place to start is if we go even before the game. I'm back, I'm blue, I'm ready. Arsenal, it's not personal. What were your thoughts when this advert from Aubameyang dropped early last week? I mean, I saw it on Twitter and it was when you're kind of scrolling through and you're not really paying attention. I saw it, I thought, oh, some, some fan has made this fan video. <laughs> uh, and uploaded it and thought, oh, what a twack. He's going to look right. He's going to look really silly if it goes wrong. And then I see it's an official one. I'm like, that's even worse. <laughs> like, especially when we've got an awful record against everyone in the top six, apart from Spurs in the past five, six years. It's not good. Um, so I'm not backing myself in most situations, but when we're playing the way that we're playing and Arsenal are playing the way that they are, now's not the time for this. <laughs> really isn't some level of trust has been broken because I sent Jack a link saying, what is this? And it was some Chelsea fan on Twitter who'd done a montage of Arsenal Chelsea to hit him up by Tupac. And it's starting off completely first off, fuck your bitch. And it's Arteta walking down the tunnel. And Jack's replied to me, I just can't believe this is an advert. And I thought we've got some wires crossed here. Oh, yeah. He's not clicked on the link I sent him. <laughs> if BT enrolled with that, that would have been, been incredible. <laughs> BT, every package they do is perfect until it actually gets to the game. And then they still give you McManaman and Keown and mm. Jay Humphries and so on. Um, they dragged that out of Obama as well. Did you see the thing where yeah, they're like I, telling him to say it? I was thinking, I kind of felt half bad because I think you're seeing what players are made to do here. But also, you can say no. You don't have to do this shit. Well, yeah, I, I think, um, and this this is a horrible example. I'm just thinking of a player. If you'd moved, if Van Dyke had just moved from Southampton and you said to Van Dyke, Southampton is not personal, I'm moving to Liverpool. He's just going to say no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And uh, I think a number of Arsenal players, I think if you ask Xhaka to do that, he's going to say no. I think if you go to Tottenham, I think if you ask Harry Kane to do that, he's not. Harry Kane's not going to do it. When you look at Arsenal Spurs, there's a certain thing there where if we've seen this here, they definitely try to drag more out. Hmm. I bet Arsenal and Spurs players have been asked to say some 
pretty tasty things to try and get the perfect promo package that they're both refusing to do. It's just him though. That this this is what you sign up for when you sign a Bamyang. And if he is scoring every week, you put up with the issues that come alongside it, as we had a, a fair number of them even at the start. When he's not, I, I said to Jack and I said to anyone that would listen, really, this either goes perfectly and he scores and it looks like a masterstroke. It just looks very cool. Or he has an absolute howler and you miss a sitter or you have a stinker of a game and everyone says, oh, well, go out to that advert now. Yeah, I mean, following on from your point, they definitely told him to say that because they knew he would. Like you're 100% right where if they give that script to anyone else, the, the players you just mentioned, they're looking at them and sort of days like, oh, I'm not going to say that. Whereas <laughs> I reckon they, they knew about me and would say it if, they, if you asked them to. Well, they're doing it Ron Burgundy style, like rather than having it appear on the screen, they're just basically reading out saying, now say this, Arsenal, it's not personal. And he does his smile, but as TK said, that doesn't mean you have to say it because mm. they're asking you to. You're the one with the power in that situation. And I bet they could not believe their luck when he started. Because yeah. I, I don't imagine all of that was scripted. I think once he started saying things, they thought, let's see what we can get here. Because I don't see that you start with Arsenal and it's not personal. I think when you started doing that, I'm back. And as soon as you get that I'm blue, is when I think they knew we're in business here. We can get this guy to say anything. <laughs> Mikel, I'm coming for your head top. This is personal <laughs> between me and you. Now, we'll get into the game, Jack. I do have this broken down, much in the way of Arsenal-Liverpool. And um, we've not lost one of these yet to see for people to take my word that we break it down in the same way, but (laughs) but we will. So if you think I'm glossing over something, we're going to cover everything. Brilliant. Everything. I'd rather rather you gloss. So (laughs) for all of the pre-match talk, Aubameyang had just eight touches of the ball before being unceremoniously substituted in the 64th minute. For context, Elneny came on in the 86th minute and completed more passes. I mean, this, this this highlights an issue that we've had for years and years and years of service and lack of creativity. I feel... We're going to get into some it, of those players. It, it, yeah, I know. It, it's tricky because obviously he's going to be up for that game no matter what. So I'm not going to really put too much blame at his door. No, what if I've got something to tell you here that you're not going to like? Okay, tell me this. Tell me that. So the press are reporting he had a mask tucked behind the goal ready for when he scored. (laughs) I don't mind that. I don't really care. Yeah, that's great. Not scoring is the issue rather than that. (laughs) I don't give a fuck about the mask. If if he's scoring, he he could wear whatever he wants. The fact that it's not happening up front, and that's but you have to score when you do that. Mm-hmm. That's the issue. Yeah, I bet Bamford has the best celebration ever ready for when he gets that hundredth goal. The issue is <laughs> he doesn't seem to be able to get anywhere near the hundredth goal. Mm. And I don't know if this is the one you bring the Spider-Man mask back out for. Yeah, that's I, reportedly what it was going to be. Uh, Black Panther would have made more sense this week, but I'm not too sure. Yeah, I again, I don't mind it. It shows the mindset of him expecting to score. I'd rather have that than Alvaro Morata, just absolutely mentality weakling. Um, th- this, in terms of a defensive display, 
since Opta Records began in 2003, only Man City in 2015 and 17 have restricted the current world champions to fewer shots in a home game. Ramsdale didn't make one save. I know. I was sat there and I could not, I couldn't even see where a goal was coming from. It was almost a pointless two hours of my life. I just, I, we could have played you for another two hours after that and still not have got anywhere close. I just, it was awful. It was so bad. It was like, it was back to Sarri era for me of levels of actually engaging the crowd and expecting to see, to see goals. And that's the problem. You, everyone knows now if they can get one goal against us or if they can score first against us, we ain't coming back from it. Not a chance. This was very reminiscent of the Aubameyang that Arsenal fans watched for the first half of last season. Isolated, ineffective, and I don't think he was helped, and we'll get on to some of those players, but this this was the thing. If we're, we're going to speak about Jesus a little later, but you saw the difference in that one striker could not score and make a huge difference, and one striker, if he wasn't putting the ball in the back of the net, what was the point of being on there? And the mm-hmm. fact that we get the goal in the 64th or 68th minute or something like that. The fact that you're chasing a goal and he's taken off then at that point, I think says an awful lot. And the fact that you signed him, you said, everyone said, it was because of this supposed relationship with Thomas Tuchel, which (laughs) you suck him a day later. (laughs) Very rash. Yeah. Yeah. I think we were reeling and we knew we needed a striker. And yeah. he was pretty much the only feasible option. Whether you had that relationship with Tuchel or not, it was a perfect situation of Barca just getting Lewandowski and us needing a striker and willing to pay stupid money for, what, a 31-year-old, 32-year-old? But you spent like 50, 60 million on just players 18 and under that are nowhere near the first team. You probably could have got someone like Osman for that. I'm not saying he's going to be the ultimate goal scorer. You could have priced Yao Felix away from Atletico Madrid for that. Mm, so you said someone like Patrick Schick that we've all kind of been looking at, me and TK at least, for saying, is someone going to take a chance on him, particularly after the Euros? The Nkuku, there was people out there. Nkuku was the guy, and he is the guy, from what if we're to believe the rumours, he signed a pre-contract. Yeah. I think we wanted a short-term fix to tide us through this season, and yeah. they'll come in next season. That's why I believe that we didn't go and do exactly what you just said. Um, that feels very unChelsea, like though, considering the rest of the business you did this you window. See, because see, like Koulibaly isn't no, a long term fix. No, I totally agree. But he was a direct replacement for Rudiger. When, like I said, when you lose three centre backs in the transfer window, you need to replace like for like in some instances. I think you can file the Aubameyang transfer under <laughs> the Morata, under the Higuain, Pato. At least Morata. I don't know. Start. That's well, a big file, Jack. If it's getting a bit yeah. bulky here. <laughs> well, that's just with Higuain in it. <laughs> Morata had the good start, at least, as he always reminded us. Mm. Yeah. Aubameyang has one league goal. Yeah, Morata may be a bit different. If if Morata had heads for feet, he'd be sound because his, <laughs> his headed goals were great. Um, if you'd signed Morata this summer over Aubameyang, do you think you'd be better, worse or no different? No different because it's the service. Like okay. the, 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 that's the main issue. We do not create any chances, and when we do, we're so surprised that we've created something. We miss them <laughs> because they can't believe their luck um, that they're in a position where they can actually have a shot on target. 
apart from the Salzburg game, which was pretty much wide open from both perspectives. Yeah, you, you, we just do not create anything. Even when we're chasing the game against um, Brighton, yes, we score. But even then, like if you put the whole of our Chelsea squad into ultra attacking, if we're going to use a, <laughs> a FIFA analogy here, you'd expect something to happen still, but we didn't even look close. So in total, Chelsea managed just five attempts at Ramsdale's goal. I think it was an XG of between, it was somewhere between 0.2 and 0.3. And up against the physicality of Gabriel and Saliba, Aubameyang, all the other attackers just could not get a foothold in the game. The introduction of Saliba alongside Gabriel, we're just able to play a different brand of football now. Our, our line is higher, it's higher than Liverpool this season. Ramsdale is far further forward and that all literally banks on the ability of the two centre-backs being as fast as they are across the ground and Saliba and Gabriel are just lightning. There was a point when Saliba timed the offside trap perfectly and then still got to the ball first and cleared the danger despite Broja having a three-yard head start just to prove a point. And Broja's no slouch. If you remember the no. game, he absolutely motored past Ben May. I saw... A tweet calling me. Yeah, I saw a tweet saying the Saliba's. Well, if he outpaced me, then he must have lost some gas. He had a 10-yard head start. I take the points first. I saw a tweet saying Saliba has two-factor authentication. It's just... (laughs) (laughs) I saw that. Yeah, I did enjoy it. He he was a joke. If if there's been a weakness to his game at times this season, he has had runners that have gone down the left channel. And Aubameyang clearly seen that, or one of the analysts had seen that and had told him to pull onto Saliba over Gabriel, which I thought was a, a strange choice, no matter what the data tells you. And he was just on it from minute one. Um, Saliba regained possession 13 times for Arsenal. Um, Gabriel, four clearances, three or four aerial duels. And he completed six of seven long balls, which tells you the pressure that was on him at that end of the field. Gabriel obviously pokes the ball home for the only goal of the game. And we're going to speak about that goal because there's a certain little Spaniard who's got some questions to answer. But Gabriel now has nine Premier League goals in 71 games for Arsenal. I can't think of any centre-back in recent times who poses a goal threat like that in the Premier League, at least. How recent are we talking? Uh, Five to ten years, probably. I mean, I, yeah. I could hear John Terry's name on yeah. Jack's lips now. I could almost hear him shaking. When did he retire? Yeah. Uh, he left Chelsea in twenty when we won the league in 2018. Oh, blimey. It's only been four years without him. Christ. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. Even to have him in that company then, a goal every seven games, every six, seven games, yeah. not bad at all. It's brilliant, yeah. Now, if Aubameyang is going to take some flack, the people who are backing him up deserve some flack as well. Havertz and Sterling stunk. And they have been all season. Havertz, I mean, his stats, I don't even want to read them out. I think it's four games in 76 appearances, or maybe uh, five goals in 76 appearances, I think. Well, there was it's just outrageous. In in a rare moment where Bamiyang had found some space and he was alone for the cut across, and he just took so long. And then in the end, he punts it and he nearly goes out for a throwing on the other side. Yeah. It, we just don't have 
that player. We don't have an Odegaard or a Saka who can see the wider picture. Like I said to you, it's almost like because we're so not used to being in those situations, they get white line fever and they just think like, oh, I just need to hit it as hard as I can. It's like schoolyard football. I mean, oh. And when we do try and cut it back, it's always under hit, so it gets cut <laughs> out. Or if it's over hit exactly like it was then. So I don't <clears> understand. The problem is, I think back to the Tuckle quote when we lost to U3 in the preseason or 4 0, wherever it was. 4 0, 4 0. And it was um, that same start in 11, by the way. Yeah. And I think back to that and where he says, well, the issues are the same because we still have the same players. And he's 100% right. Where- you don't. You spent a quarter of a billion pounds this summer <laughs> mainly and on got defen- worse mainly on defenders which the only one that was starting was Kukurea out of a different team than well we you had. said like for like Christensen sick note for Farner coming in I can see the logic yeah but that's my point is that attacking wise we're still laden with the same misfiring forwards we've obviously got Sterling in there but I with every game that passes he proves my statement right <laughs> He was there because he wanted to be next to his, close to his family. Probably the only team in, in London that would offer him that kind of money. Can we? And it was just a perfect situation for him. Can we go back to Havertz first before we oh, get please, on to Sterling? Please do. We keep saying with him, and we've been guilty of it with plenty of players over the years, of when's he going to kick on? Now, you'll never take that goal in the Champions League final away from him. But... If you did. If we thought that was going to be the kind of catalyst for starting to move forward. And he's one of those players where you're almost better to have shown nothing. The fact that he has shown flashes is what makes it all the more frustrating, I would imagine, in your shoes. Yeah. We did it on the pod uh, probably about two years ago now, if you remember where we drew the teams out and we were going to do a European coverage for the week, which went downhill quite fast. Yeah. But I picked out... (laughs) I picked out by Leverkusen and so Havertz, I'd get him on Football Manager and I was only really seeing him on Football Manager and highlight packages, but really liked him. And I was fuming when Chelsea got him for the price that they did because they seemed to have no competition. And we had this back and forth of what is he? Is he a 10? But we don't really play a 10. Is he a striker? And I believe it was Tuchel that said, look, he's six foot four or whatever he is. He's a physically imposing guy. He isn't a false nine. He's a nine. And Mm. we've just never really seen him become one or the other. He's kind of stuck in no man's land. What happens with Havertz is that in the first five minutes in the game, it's so pivotal for him where if if he does a couple of flick-ons, if he gets involved in the game and does something well, then he might have a decent enough game moving forward. But if you get closed out like he did in the first five minutes, his first six touches were pretty much awful and he was just getting absolutely smothered the whole rest of the game he might as well not been there genuinely we we might as well subbed him off then and we can't have a player where if your first five minutes goes wrong (laughs) he just doesn't function for the rest of the 85 I, i don't know if you've ever played madden on anything above an easy difficulty yeah but if you play the mode where you're just playing as like the quarterback you sometimes get it where you physically can't comprehend the lack of time that you have to get the ball out. And the further up you rank that difficulty, the harder it gets. Havertz looks like he cannot believe that he isn't given more time in every single game that he has. Like he expects to be given an extra second on the ball to make his mind up, to do something, to get it down, to drive at players. And you're never going to have that in the Premier League. Some players are just suited for different leagues, but he has the talent 
that it would be a shame if he can't put it all together. But at some point, we aren't. So, like Deli Ali, we were going, okay, well, it's a Frank Lampard. He used to score goals running into the box late. He's going to get the best out of him. And at some point, it's on the player, and the player needs to be able to work out what's going wrong because something clearly is. He's got the physical tools to be able to put it together. And yeah. He can't be the front man. He just, he's shown that. I mean, even in that stretch where he goes to the Champions League, it's probably his best stretch at Chelsea in terms of his form. He wasn't scoring prolifically. He's scoring an okay amount, but the rest yeah. of his game was was good. Now the rest of his game isn't really there and you don't get the goals. And so Chelsea are in a huge amount of trouble. And He can't, he's obviously showing he hasn't got that aggression. He hasn't got those instincts. That you need to though, be- do you not think for the ability that he has in the air, that's not someone who isn't prepared to kind of stick their head in or uh, get wrapped up? For someone that's tall, he looks small. If that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, he's I, yeah, that's it. He's he's almost really unlucky to be above six foot because he looks a bit frail to me, and he looks yeah. like he doesn't want to be doing that that sort of stuff. If yeah. he was five ten, they wouldn't be asking him to. They'd probably drop him into the ten yeah. and let him do the more creative side, which is he's better suited to because he looks like a lanky streak of piss. They think yeah. we'll stick him up to and just doesn't. He's sure he doesn't want to do that. He looks yeah. like he doesn't want to. Teams I don't play tens anymore, though, do they? Especially no, but they adjust and adapt, don't they? And you kind of fit in. I know it's hard to say, but like City sort of fit in guys who probably would be a ten, but they can work around it. And the way, the way that City plays, they have two tens. They're they're inside forwards operate as tens yeah. on either side of the pitch, don't they? And the the reason why it works so well for them is because they know they're going to have forward options. So mm. it's almost a predetermined result where they know where the runners are going to be, just get it into that area because it's well drilled into them. Whereas with Chelsea, whenever we try to play or mimic that system of having an inside forward playing as a 10 in a wide position, they know that there's no one even further. They know they're the most forward person. They Mm. know that there's no one making runs. And so there's no point in doing that. They have to look up to see where the rest of the team is. And in that moment, they're then closed out. And that's, most the majority of the issues which we're having yeah. like Mount as brilliant as he is he's not a chance creator and we, we, but, we, we let, let's it. come on to, let's come on to him because when we were talking about the lack of creativity out here I was saying, can we ask for a bit of that from Mount, Mount maybe he needs it needs to happen because he can't play in that role and not do it whereas before he was he worked so hard for the team but I, I look at Mason Mount and I know that he's still young Ooh. and I know that we put him on a pedestal but probably because he's English and he's come through the you set up, and I will not say a bad word against him because I know that, you're about to. No, but I know that he wants to be there, which I can't say for everyone in that yeah. team. <laughs> but what I will say is that if you take Mason Mount in isolation, in the great Chelsea teams that have won leagues and tournaments beforehand in the last 15 years, I don't think he gets in over anyone else in his position. If you go back to the Conte years, if you go back to Jose round two and round one years, Carlo Ancelotti. I know they've had world beaters in those positions, but the way that we talk about Mount at the moment is almost as like we're putting them on the same level as, well, he's got more more goals than Frank Lampard did by this stage in Frank (laughs) Lampard's career. I was like, yeah, but Frank had the tendencies to be able to build on of arriving late and you knew it was all going to click. Whereas with Mace, apart from those two goals at Villa, he hasn't scored all season. And he isn't creating chances for the strikers. We look very disjointed. We look like where City work as a unit and Arsenal do, as they showed us that on the, on yesterday. Yeah. We look like we're all individual players trying to perform a role. 
without working cohesively at all. Yeah. And Mount falls into that category. I, I'm not going to say that he's had a good start to the season because he hasn't. We've he's, seen what he can do when he does play well, like when he got 32 goals in this last season. But if he doesn't tick, then no one else does. We, we've seen what we've seen from Aubameyang. We've seen what we've seen from Havertz. Is it time to give Brojo the keys? Yeah. I, he looks more threatening than anyone else in the yeah. 20 minutes that he played. Yeah, and this happens every time he plays as well, where he comes on and he just, he reminds me of Diego Costa so much of where... That's his idol, a, isn't it? Yeah, he's a similar he's a similar build. He's got similar aggressiveness levels without the mental side where he's going to get himself sent off. <laughs> he's quick. He's strong. He's very quick. And it's one of those where once he gets a few goals, which he's already got one decent finish... Um, but if he gets a few, like a run of them, it'll become second nature. Now they has had big chances against Brentford and a few other teams. I think one in the Champions League, where you could tell the occasion has got the bit of better of him. I know that he's been playing well for Southampton, but you could see the pressure that was on him. So he's he's missed them or the keeper saved. A few of those go in, and I reckon you'd see a different Brozier. And I think, like you said, he's someone with a player that's got something to prove at least. Whereas Aubameyang. He just doesn't care. Sometimes they need to know that they're starting. Like if you're coming on and you know, I've got 20 minutes, I need to do something in this 20 minutes. It makes it far more difficult than if you're relaxed into a game knowing Mm. I can maybe not have the best game in my life. And this, the shirt's mine. I am going to be starting next week. See, the main issue that we have is that we have many of these cameo players that will come on when the other team's tired and look a bit different to what we have. Cause it's almost like they've been watching America, baby. Exactly that. Where they, it's almost like they've been watching the game, thinking, <laughs> "Oh, this is how, this is how I'd affect it if I came on." Whereas, when they actually get that start, they don't play in the same manner. They play within themselves again. And yeah. I, I know what you said about they need to know they're starting, and that would give them the confidence to perform from the off. But we give these chances to these players, and they just don't do it. I want to move this on just so we get through everything. Um, yeah. I've got to hold my hands up here. Don't do it often. Not wrong very often, I'd say. Um, Thiago Silva. Fair play. Um, I, I maybe wouldn't take Maguire over him um, <laughs> upon reflection. Um, without him, I think it could have been three or four yesterday. Yeah, he's brilliant. He's still doing it. And every game, every year that goes by, you think, Oh, and he's, this is his last season. He's going to start deteriorating. It's been there. This is his third season now. Did you see your boy uh, Matt Law calling him out on Twitter? What was this about? No, I didn't see it. And he's not my boy. But- <laughs> <laughs> is he the one that Frank hated? No, something to me, wasn't it? The Frank hated. Yeah, Kieran. Yeah. Um, he he tweeted out saying, "Look, Chelsea fans aren't going to like me for this, but I've been seeing it for a while now. Um, Thiago Silva really is deteriorating. The level of his play is going down." <laughs> And all the replies were basically like, of all the fucking people for you to start digging out here after that game and you go for Thiago Silva. He's brilliant. Like the goal, he saved two off the line, one of his own making, but two off the line against Brighton. He, again, the same with Brentford. And the fact that he's been asked to play three times a week because of the injuries we've got at 38 years old is nothing short remarkable. I find it mental that I used to sign him going back 12 years when he played for Milan because he was the fastest centre-back on FIFA. <laughs> and 12 years on, he's still playing at Premier League level starting for Chelsea. I just find it insane. Well, the the goal, which we eventually score the corner, comes from Jesus nicks it off him. 
and gets a shot on goal just goes out for a corner. But he nicks it off him because Thiago Silva carries it uh, about 25 yards out and he's looking around the midfield and there's literally nobody there no. at all and he gets it nicked off him and look, that's, it's not... Some of the defenders on the corner may be on him as a collective, but it's not on him because he carries it out and he gets there and suddenly no one is showing for the ball. They're all shying away from it. Yeah, Chelsea tried playing it out with Mendy, a bloke that makes Petr Cech look competent with the ball at his feet against, as Pep described him, the best pressing striker in world football. I understand having your ideals, but that's that felt like a weird choice to be making. Especially a Mendy that's played two games in, what, two months as well. It's, a bloke who was it's, asking for the Ballon d'Or, by the way. Never forget that. <laughs> I said to you at the start, when we signed him and when everyone was lauding him, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. amazing that he's a twenty mil million pound keeper and he looks like it. He didn't look like it until he got bodied by Masuaku <laughs> and he just seemed to revert to type. <laughs> I mean, even then there was the signs. Like it's just not he's not assured enough. And when you're playing that say what you want about Kepper, but with the ball at his feet <laughs> he's he's usually alright. Um and he fills you with that confidence whereas all strikers the whole stadium just moves onto the edge of their seat as soon as he gets the ball at his feet you yeah. can just feel it well, whereas, remember the one with check where he nearly passed it into our goal yeah <laughs> 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 I do remember that check's lucky in a sense that he got all of his great years out before most keepers are using their feet as much, whereas now it's just a prerequisite that they have. He's to. lucky he doesn't get into a tussle with me, I tell you. The, the <laughs> anger I've got built up against that bloke. <laughs> the fullbacks, you could say this was where the game was both won and lost. So Chelsea were missing both Chilwell and James. I'm only really crediting James. Chelsea didn't spend 60 million on Cucurella to play him at centre back. So this is their first choice in the position. Arteta had to make a choice between Tierney, who was man of the match on Thursday night, whatever you say about Thursday night football, and um, Zinchenko hadn't played in five weeks, but I think we're all fairly aware that's who Arteta considers to be his number one in the position. Um, He opted for Zinchenko and you could see why. In his system, he actually doesn't need them bombing down the flanks too much. Instead, he values their kind of passing and their level of control in midfield. As others have pointed out, Xhaka's effectiveness in the final third has actually hampered Tierney as much as Martinelli in that we haven't needed anyone to overlap. With Xhaka, we can still get those five men, those five uh, attackers that he wants across the line. For most of the first half, Zinchenko drifted in to the type of deep line midfield role that Guardiola has Cancelo doing. They had Philip Lahm doing it at Bayern Munich if you want to go way back. Now, I'm not saying he's on the level of those players, but that's the role that he is playing. And I thought the sacrifice of the occasional ball over Zinchenko was offset by the dominance that he instilled. Both sides targeted that flank, us by doubling up on Azpilicueta and you by doing what I referenced, that ball over the top for Sterling, but we just found far more success with it. Cucurella was in his preferred position, him and Saka seemed the battle to watch early on. And I still can't tell you how that man escaped with a, without a booking. <laughs> I, I don't know. And I'll ask TK, maybe slightly more removed from it. I, I still don't know why Saka is so harshly governed by officials this season. And 
if I tell you that for the 14 games, 13 games that we've played, only one foul on Saka has resulted in the booking. And then you compare mm. that to the way that he's kicked across the field, much in the same way that Mo Salah is. Mm. It just seems so strange because I, Alex does it. I don't know how seriously. I don't think there's a perception of him as being a diver in the way that there are with other English players. No. So I don't really know what it is with him that means he just does not get decisions. It is odd. Um, I do think it's now they've reached a point as well where Arsenal fans are probably quite rightly aren't happy about the fact that they aren't getting fouls or cards against him. And to the point where sometimes there's fouls going against him, like, that's probably not a card. And there's, I'm seeing just next thing you know on the timeline, it's, how's that not a booking then? And how's not a booking? It's like, okay, he's getting kicked around a bit more than he should, right? But that doesn't mean every time he does, no. it should be getting. And it does, the pendulum does seem to be swinging, at least online, in that direction. But you are right. It is, it is on a watch games where people do just seem to be able to to foul him. And at times he's been too honest and other times he's been going down and, and still not getting anything. So yeah. it's, it's an odd one. Well, Cucurella fouled him four times yesterday. Now, the first one was one of those where if it's anywhere outside of the first five minutes, you are getting booked. There just <laughs> seems to be this weird passage if you do it yeah. early enough in the game that you're going to let it slide. But Cucurella, I don't know what he'd drunk in the changing room. He just came out like so aggressive. Like he just played the man more than the ball. And then when you need the aggression from him, he just stood there holding Granite Jack while Gabriel smashes the ball in. It was such a bizarre performance from him. Yeah. Gee. I, I still can't get my head around it. Yeah. I, I mean, it looks more and more rash, that signing. When he first started, and his best position that I've seen him play for us in is it's when we're playing three at the back and he's playing left wing back. Because yeah. he, hmm. he has the freedom and the speed and he has the technical ability to find good passes, um, which we saw, which, which was great. But if, he, if that's the only position in which he can play in, obviously we haven't signed him to play left centre-back, but if he can't play as a left-back in a back four either... It's scary. It, yeah, worrying, to say the least, because I don't know if we're just not used to playing a back four because... We have reverted to it a few times this season under Potter, but to actually start as a back four against the top six team. Say what you want about... It's difficult, right? Because there's absolute outrage because we've been playing so badly recently anyway and we hate losing to Arsenal. It's always going to be charged. And the problem with yesterday's performance is that with every new manager that we usually get in, you see that little bit of special something of why they're there. We're 12 games into Potter and we're getting worse. Um, and I don't know if you've got to suffer first before you then get better, a bit like Arteta, which, fine, whatever. But you're not going to get that much time, especially when you start losing to Arsenal at home. Now, if you go back to Kukurea here, if he can't do that, if we want to play as a four moving forward and he can't do that, then we've got a £60 million bloke yeah. that isn't going to play. And the way that James in Chilwell are going about getting long-term injuries every single season now, he, he probably is going to be called upon more often than, than most. Yeah. Now, I, I mean, looking at that goal, yeah, it's just pathetic <laughs> all rounds. It's just, you could pick four people out that aren't doing their jobs properly. I mean, the only thing I can say about Kukurea is that he's got sucked in there where you'll play, I can't remember who it was. One, he's so much taller than why is he marking him? Two, 
he's obviously not even trying to play for the ball. So why, <laughs> why? It's not like he's trying to run past him and you're holding on to him to stop. He just stood there. Like, I know that I've probably gone man for man in that scenario where that's his man and that's all he has to worry about. Fair enough. But the rest of it is just comical in itself. Where were you sat in relation? Right along the line. So I'll send you a photo of it, but I was sat West Stand where the West Stand meets the shed. So, so the, Ars- the Arsenal fans are like a direct, like oh. opposite me. So as the ball comes in, I see that the complete path of the ball, of all the twists and turns it takes and just hitting the roof of the net. So I don't know if you'll, if you'll have seen this. Your fans in that corner so many twats in there every time there was a corner they kept throwing things now they threw it on this occasion they threw two paper balls down Saka goes to take the corner the paper comes in it falls right in front of the ball so Saka has to move forward he chucks the paper out the way and he actually takes the corner before your team are fully reset I, I think they were trying to pull some weird offside trap on the goal line they were doing something but that's how it gets through. Everyone is wrong-footed when this corner comes in and that's how it bobbles through because some idiot has chucked something in. Now, if you look back at every set piece Saka's taken in that game, almost all of them, bar one, was terrible. Yeah, The goal actually comes from, it's not a very good set piece. It's awful, yeah. It just has enough whip on it that it goes the whole way across the goal. <laughs> it, it reminds me of one of the onside kicks in um, American football where yeah. there's, no sk- <laughs> there's no skill to it. You're just banking on it, taking a horrible bounce and bouncing back towards your own team. And yeah, Gabriel, him and Saka were both pretty desperate to give the goal to one another, but it didn't matter in the end. The goal goes in. There's an angle someone's filmed from the stands. The players actually do a, a lap of a Bamiyang and... There's a clip of um, Gabriel in whatever accent he has saying, uh, what was it Aubameyang said? No hard feelings. Ain't nothing personal. Nothing personal, that's it. He's yelling this out as he's running over to the corner. And it's been important. I mean, you can look at a picture of the celebration. You can look at every player there and you don't know who the hell scored it because they're all just going completely nuts. And as in again, for Aubameyang did in the pregame. If you said about Ben, uh, not Ben White, you can see where we're going here. Um, <laughs> if you said about Reese James and what he offers, Ben White continued his form as the best right back in the league. Chelsea had a period of around three minutes in the first half where they're just peppering the area. White heads every ball away. Mason Mount fouled him early and then laughed as he walked off. He kind of gave him a little shove and he's chuckling to himself and Ben White's giving him one of his Ben White looks. He megs him on the next play and bombs forward. He again just doesn't put a single foot wrong. He's doing back heels on the edge of our area. He's just playing with the intelligence of a player that's been a right back his whole career. His controlled aggression he shows and the timing of his pressing is unbelievable and was again yesterday. The understanding he has with Saka's perfect is when he should overlap. And the only thing he's missing is a goal and that's going to hit unbelievably when that goes in. I need it to be in a big game. He'll probably be more excited than he will. 50 million legitimately looks like more of a bargain by the week. Go through the season. Zaha wrapped up. Diaz, bodied. Jota dealt with. Sun, light work. And let's save it for last. Mount, easy money. If this guy isn't starting in Qatar, Southgate is even more clueless than I thought he is. 
Where would you start him? Right back. Right at right back? Yeah. Yeah. I think, to be fair, I think you can start him right back or centre back. And I couldn't argue with it. Just I look at the other options available and we're, of course, going to get onto that shortly. It's baffling to think that it's even a debate as to whether he's going to be in the side, even the squad. Yeah, I mean, the squad is fucking insane that it's being debated <laughs> if he's going to make it. I mean, Yeah. Um, Jack, I'm going to ask you about the selection here, but Xhaka and Party had free roam in the middle of the park. Might there, been, if there's one midfield that you don't want to start Jorginho in, it would be that. Well, it, it might have been Party's best game for us in terms of his aggression and the way he was getting stuck in. Xhaka... When Xhaka can create a flare-up at the end to waste time and you don't have to worry about him losing his head, as he put it, it's fucking unbelievable. I don't know if you've seen that interview, <laughs> Phenomenal. Yeah, that was excellent. Just, there was just so, so much more energy. I, I, I don't think I saw Mount after the first 15. And it's not just energy, it was desire. It was just a progression. Pep said that you need a minimum of 15 passes 15, 15 touches to get the ball from one end of the pitch to the other. There were multiple times where Arsenal went from one end to the other and it wasn't a long ball. It was like three passes. Ramsdale to Zinchenko to Saka. And it was just so easy. Yeah. That's, I think that's why yesterday, because all in all, apart from a bobbling free kick, it would have been nil-nil per se. But it's the way that you controlled and dictated the game. It wasn't the scoreline that was embarrassing. It was the control you had over it. Like when you wanted to attack and split our defence, like you just said then, three passes and it was done. Whereas we struggled to keep hold of the ball around our back four. Don't even talk about the midfield because it's non-existent. But just in our own own half, around our own back four, we struggled. For all I said, sorry. And I was just going to say that the result itself probably wasn't that embarrassing. There's been plenty of worse ones recently. (laughs) It's the manner of which we lost and how submissive we were or looked to be. We just looked lost. And that was all because of, like you said, the midfield completely dominating ours. And like I said, usually when we have four at the back, that allows us to pump three into midfield and control it a lot more. You you beat it with two, really, which is just not good enough. For all I said last week about Azpilicueta, I actually don't think he could have done any better than he did, to be honest with you. I thought yeah, after Thiago Silva, I thought he did a far better job with a tougher task with Jesus, Shaka and Martinelli down his flank than uh, Cucurella did. Yeah. He really was isolated with Saka. Um, Jesus took 62 touches on Sunday from two inside his own area to the, other, to the other end of the field. And he was just so important at the end of the game with his ability as an outlet. If he finishes the one, which is probably slightly harder than was made out on commentary, but it's still one he should be finishing, um, the diving header. It's one of the goals of the season with the passing that leads up to it. We are going to need the goals to start coming again soon. But when you can offer that and not score, it's it's just ridiculous. And we've spoken about him not being clinical, I think, for since Arsenal or even rumoured to be signing him. I think the fact of the matter is if Jesus was as clinical as some want him to be, he wouldn't have joined us. Like he literally well, City would, have be start, it all. would have been starting. Yeah, him. exactly. Yeah. So we can buy a Haaland ready-made 
And I think for what Arteta wants, Scott Parker was in the studio yesterday and he called it the perfect performance from a modern from a modern nine in terms of what a manager wants. Obviously, you'd just rather have a goal on the end of it, but I think you can play worse and score a goal. And well, I mean, we've seen that. For, uh, we saw that with the Bamiyang at Arsenal. We saw that with Lacazette at Arsenal and so on. Um, I would really enjoy, though, if you find yourself with a Firmino. Yeah, well, it's looking about that, that man over the years. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jack, last things here. Graham Potter. So, Oh, boy. I text you, you. You were on the tube, I think, when the teams came out. Graham Potter think picking three narrow forwards and giving up the wings to a side who have excelled down the flanks all season. Do we think that was what his game plan was? Or do you think he was scared of dropping the big names in Aubameyang and Sterling? Because I, I don't know which answer is worse there. I, I genuinely don't think there's anyone else he could have picked, really. Because, I mean, y- your other options there, if you're not picking Sterling, is Pulisic. And he's given knowing thing as to why you would do that and then we've got no free scoring nine so you're just hedging your bets of well Aubameyang's going to want it more than Broya and which I don't you played narrow though oh yeah we did and I just don't think we've got I think we haven't got the players to do it at the moment with our injuries I think that's the main reason also the fatigue I think what he thought was we'll submit on the wings and try and play through them quickly that's the only that's that the sh- only rationalisation as to why I think he thought he could get away with it. I don't know what, I was if TK's uh, slipping around here. So either that or Jack's... I was going to say, I've been yeah. on mute while he was talking, so <laughs> yeah, it wasn't I, me. It yeah, it was me. Yeah, you actually... The, the least of your play came through the middle of the pitch, which actually then is the complete opposite of what you were setting up for. I but think only 17% of your play came through the middle, which maybe says more about Shaka and Party. I think that that's exactly what we were saying before, where... He tr- tried to do exactly that, but we just weren't allowed to do it. Um, I, I can tell you for sure that every Arsenal fan was thrilled to see Gallagher and Kovacic on the bench while Jorginho and Loftus-Cheek started. I think That is ev- baffling, by the way. I mean, well, Everyone expected Potter to sit Gallagher on party like Vieira did to great success last season where he literally mm. pressed him into an injury. Instead, <laughs> the passing lanes from Ramsdale into the midfield were clear. And we went from one end to the other with such speed that it was just frightening. I, I don't know. I said last week, the games are never as simple as they should be on paper. When I'm now withdrawn from the game because a one nil never feels easy in the moment, it's probably, we've we've now won three in a row at Stamford Bridge. The most of any team in the first time any team's done that. Is that three in a row? It's three in a row, yeah. The We had the one where... Kepper passed it to Emil Smith-Rowe, who nearly put it wide when Aubameyang passed it across. Then last yeah. season, we had it with Eddie. He scored two. Yeah. And then this season, so yeah, three in a row. Um, it, it was baffling. I, I don't know what you could have done differently to get the win, but certainly anything you did, you saw Arteta make the slightest tweak and it was just like you hadn't made it. The best mm-hmm. chance you had was one that Broger tries to put across the box and it bobbles a few times and then it's cleared. Yeah. But everyone was just so on it yesterday. You need really need to score every clinical chance you had. Yeah, I think it's exactly that. I hate using that phrase of, oh, they wanted it more, but because it's just so cliche, but it just 
from what I saw and the energy of what I got back from what I was seeing, yeah. just that we'd given up before we'd even started. And I think we're so, the problem is we're not creating chances and mm. you're not confident of, you, not even what, if they're, where you're going to get the next one from. You're not confident if there is going to be a next one. Yeah. Um, when that can distill fear within the team because it puts everyone on edge because they think, right, one wrong move here, one goal conceded, and that's the game gone because we aren't, we cannot score. I just find it mental how this is coming up to the fifth season in a row of us struggling to score. The last time that I was confident of us scoring a decent amount of goals each game was when we had Diego Costa. Um, the other thing is as well, is like when you're not the most creative team, you do have to have that desire and work rate to make up for it and you can get away with it. Whereas Chelsea now, they just look like they've got too many players that don't give a fuck. Yeah. And then they're not creative and not prolific in front of goal either. So they're kind of getting the worst of both ends. Mm. This is it as well, where at least with the Tuckle system, yes, if we were stinking the place out, the chances where we weren't going to concede because that's the way we were set up. Whereas now we're leaking goals at the back. Interesting. <laughs> We're surrendering ch more chances than goals we're conceding as well, which is dangerous because <laughs> there'll be games like Brighton where they all go in and then we're on a f the end of a 4-0 drubbing or 4-1 yeah. drubbing. Mm. So it's the chances we're surrendering, but then it's non-creative. So we have the worst part of the Tuchel system, which was the lack of chance creation. and But now coupling that with chance surrendering, it's almost like... There's no point in me watching this game <laughs> well, because me... we're not doing we're not doing anything well. I'm not enjoying anything of what I'm seeing. So why am I actually watching it? Why, Let me I, ask you. why do I like football? Why, why am I spending 170 pound a weekend? Yeah, that is on tickets, in trains, in food, in the beer. Coach, the coach going to going going to the stadium to be rewarded by walking out, losing to Arsenal, pissing with rain. <laughs> and me not having a hood, just stood there thinking, what the fuck am I doing? Well, let me ask this um, in terms of expectations now. Zinchenko post-game said, I think I would say that before I got used to hearing the Arsenal, it means straight away in your mind, top four, top four. I would say I really want to kill and destroy this stereotype. For Arsenal now, and we're only 14 game weeks into the season, I spoke to Troy and I said, this is getting ahead of ourselves, I'm sure. I'd be disappointed to finish below anyone but Man City now, having seen what I've seen, because this isn't just Unai Emery where we're cruising through results and it doesn't look like we deserve to win them. From a technical standpoint, from the well, just about everything involved, I don't look at another team in the league other than Man City and say that you're better than us. And I'm really looking forward to playing them because I want to see where we are. And that could be famous last words. If Arsenal finish fourth now, from if you were to gauge how I should be feeling then at the end of the season, should I feel disappointed? Yes, I would say. And that's one of these teams in the chasing pack put together an unbelievable run of results that just doesn't look like happening at the minute. I yeah, I firmly agree. Yeah. Arsenal looks significantly better than all of these other teams we're going to talk that we talk about chasing. I do worry. That, I mean, it comes back to the the depth. It comes back to that midfield. 
you lose one or both of your midfield, and I worry because I, th- I think we're going to sign one in January. But both of them are probably they're both guaranteed more than any other players in our team to be starting at the World Cup. Mm-hmm. And Jack, is the aim for Chelsea still top four, or is it now top six? Or oh no, dare I say it any worse no. than that? Our aim will always be top four. Now it's we will never aim for anything else. I think genuinely, if if it looks like we're going to miss out on top four, I think we try and sabotage it and finish outside Europa because is like to get to the final of the Europa League, you get fifteen million pounds in prize money for Chelsea, yeah. nothing. So Graham Potter under pressure. Yeah, yeah. Really? <laughs> I mean, he brought his entire coaching staff with him. That tells me that everyone above is in this for the long run. Yeah, I mean, there is that. I think pressure from the board, maybe not, but pressure from the fans, 100% more so. A spoiled bunch, aren't you? Because that project. Because we, as Chelsea fans, we don't care. We had more of a connection with Frank and Tuchel, and that's probably why they got a little bit longer in our views, and we still obviously love them both when they both left. Whereas... We haven't really got a dog in the fight here. You either produce the results on the pitch or you fuck off. Because otherwise, what? like I said to you, like I just summed up then, you're going to get people not going. You're going to get people being disillusioned with it a little bit. And that only adds to a poor atmosphere around the ground. Like, he, the, in the pubs before the games, during the games, and talking on the concourses, it's not happy. No one feels connected. It genuinely, at the moment... And I'm hope against hope that I'm proved wrong, but it is genuinely like it was under Sarri, where we're just indifferent yeah. about it. Well, let me move us on. I just have a question about Newcastle then, um, before we go on to Tottenham and Liverpool. Now, I think it's fair to say that teams still don't play Newcastle like a big team. Like they're still, it can go either way, but it does mean that they can now play, still play with more adventure. Teams play them with more adventure, sorry. They take more chances up front. And it also means the game is far more open and they don't have to break them down like I would say our teams do when we play this Southampton or a Brighton or one of them. At what point are we expecting this to switch? With the form that they're in, with the attacking prowess that they're showing, are we expecting it to get to a point this season where teams start to approach Newcastle like they would one of us? It could do, obviously, if they if they carry it on, but also potentially if we have a clearer picture in the relegation fight. I think at this point, we don't really know who the relegation sort of contenders are. There's so many teams that that could be, or they might not, with a run of a few games. Whereas once that picture becomes a bit clearer, I think once you're fighting for every point, I think you might end up... So you think there's some teams that don't realise they're there yet and so don't yeah, feel they so need some, to adjust? Sometimes they'll be playing. like I think sometimes when like, you watch like Bournemouth now, you think... Should they be sort of yeah, going back yeah. and forth with you like that? Whereas if they end up in a bit more of a fight where they think, shit, we need the points here, they're going to go, right, we're going to park the bus a little bit. Because I don't know at what point it switches. Like I think I quoted on here before, I read an analyst before say that the top teams get three games before the analysis catches up with them. And if yes. you remember fairly early in Arteta's reign, we did the thing where Tierney bombed on and Xhaka moved to left back in possession. And it yeah. worked really well at first. And then teams just doubled up down that flank and played a crossfield ball in behind Xhaka. And suddenly the tactic that you've worked so long to perfect on the training ground is obsolete. It can go the other way. And it has changed for us now. And what I've noticed is 
teams don't press us from the back now. And Ramsdale has far more time on the ball, something that I would compare to what Edison gets with Man City. And Scott Parker spoke about this and um, Ten Hag pointed out that they were never going to press us that high up because the speed at which we go through, we're just going to play around you. Mm. Now, the intensity at which teams move on to Liverpool has increased this season statistically and teams are willing to press them higher up than they have for the last four seasons. So I do wonder at what time this will adjust with Newcastle or if, as you said, maybe it'll be teams will assess where they are in January and then say Newcastle isn't a game that we're prepared to kind of throw away almost. Well, similarly with us, people are pressing us higher because our intensity has dropped and we don't have that same thing. And if Newcastle do, because they're playing out of skin at the minute, if it does slow down just a little bit, if you show just a little bit of frailty and vulnerability, teams do get a bit braver. So I'm expecting him to slow down a bit, but I'll tell you what, I'll take back what I said last week. I thought Chelsea would finish higher than Newcastle. I'm not convinced by that at all. I think Newcastle yeah. finish higher than them because it's not even, like I said, not necessarily even just about the quality because I think some of this form with some of the players for Newcastle will drop a little bit, but they all want it and there's a f- good feeling around the club from the fan base through to the players. At Chelsea, I think Potter either isn't going to get the time to sort this out or if he is, it's a longer term thing than than he's... Uh, this season at least because I think they've got too many players I said you're too mercenary I don't care if, strangely for Newcastle where it's like Trippier's coming for the money or whatever they're all playing for the manager for the club in a way that I just someone like Chelsea I don't really quite see it at this point Trippier said yesterday that the team were disappointed with their performance after beating Southampton 4-1 yes yeah, that's, that's insane and I will caveat it by saying that Southampton are Southampton they've obviously just sat Ralph and they Newcastle didn't give them the chance to stay in the game and um, we unfortunately didn't carry on in the in the manner that they did um, yeah now Jurgen Klopp when asked about his side's victory over Tottenham said it's a big moment for us Antonio Conte when asked about his side's defeat to Liverpool said the result is unfair Liverpool opened the scoring as on a 11, yeah, over the score on 11 minutes. Nice smooth assist by Darwin Nunes and then you double down on the 40th minute. You, you do not want to go behind to a team that started six defenders, three holding midfielders and a striker. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure it was Jeff Shreves cucking for Conte in their pre-game interviews, <laughs> asking him how he'd even okay. managed to field a side as if Liverpool don't have injuries as well. <laughs> they have this weird thing with Conte. It riles me. I bet he's a scary bloke if you stood, stood How can he be scary? He doesn't even look you in the eyes. As Tuchel told him. Yeah, but when he does, he's got this white wall crisis. Yeah. Don't difficult. get me started on that bloke. Um, but we started with prime Darwin. Charges down the left-hand side. He looks up, is a ray of options in the middle, and then dribbles out of touch instead. <laughs> but then, 11 minutes in, Salah starts the move with a flick between Hoiberg and Ben Davis, I believe it was. Harvey hmm. Elliott moves it to Bobby around the centre circle, spreads it for Robertson. And Liverpool had Spurs stretched in a way that they really shouldn't have been for the level of adventure they were showing at that point. But Robertson fizzes it in for Darwin, who delicately lays it off after a trampoline touch. But Salah just sweeps it home and it was a level of finesse in the assist from Darwin that we've not really seen from a guy that is just crash bang wallop 100% of the time. And yeah, the last few games we've seen a little bit more of that from him. It, I think working from the left wing is working well for him. And I think you can do it in a way like we saw with Aubameyang that 
you can use your fullbacks to then allow the space for him to cut inside. Hmm. But it worked well. It's a nice assist for him. And going ahead for you here was so, so important. Yeah, it would have been in huge trouble, wouldn't we, if, if we hadn't. Um, the the thing is, the, the way we started, there was a sort of a, a fluidity to our to our play. That first goal obviously was a good example of it, but a sort of a verve and sort of there's an energy to it that we've been lacking, obviously specifically when starting games as well, um, which was good to see. Obviously, it, it did fade, but also potentially did Spurs kind of invite that by setting up as they did? Did they kind of allow us to... Sees the sees well, Perisic the game. played as a second striker. Yeah, I mean, the thing was as well, he's got quality. And so you go, if you have to fill in there, I don't think he's the worst, but then he also obviously has two unbelievable chances where he hits, yeah. the, uh, hits the post and hits the bar. You think that could probably change the game. Well, yeah, Liverpool survived a, a rare trek forward for Spurs in that instance. Alisson, I think, tips it onto Perisic. It comes back off him again and onto the post. Mm. And then... The moment that Spurs fans will continue to talk about, they were clearly trying to exploit Trent, who showed his strengths and weaknesses in this game. <laughs> Trent has his pocket picked by Perisic, who plays it through inside to Sessegnon, right in front of Trent, who shoves him in the back, in the area, and the appeals are waved away. It's a funny one because... It's like a huge chance, didn't it? I mean... It's so blatantly a push. A day removed from Cancelo's red card. Which I did think was harsh when I saw that one. Certainly the red. Um, and yeah. even... Because you think that's... I thought that sort of fell into the double jeopardy thing. But the... Yeah, again, similar with Trent. I don't know if he... I thought Cancelo was probably a bit more unlucky in terms of... I thought there was more force on it because he didn't necessarily see the man as well as Trent did, whereas Trent's was, there was less force, but probably more intentional in a way. I've never felt it before with him because of where our respective sides have been. I genuinely feel sorry for Trent at some points now, because you see his <laughs> eyes widen up. And usually the moment after he's committed a foul or done something, and I pointed it out where we scored a minute in, and he's looking at the ref like, what the hell's just happened? He, I don't, I've ever, I've never seen him look this ragged before. He looks like at points, he just does not know how to defend. And as we've ascertained, he clearly does, but he shouldn't be resulting to full arm shoves and kicking people like he did in the second half. It's just so bizarre. And there has been a regression. No teams are going to keep it. targeting him because he's given them no reason not to. Yeah. It's, it's a weird thing that, Obviously, as you get more experienced, you kind of almost your instincts become sharpened, and you know what you do. And it's like his are getting worse, which is the odd thing. The thing with the foul, I thought he got away with it. He didn't go out with the sort of, and it sounds ridiculous, but more like like an open palm push mm. where you go. That makes it easier by going slightly more with the forearm. I think he just gives enough doubt that they're gonna they're not gonna pull it back. If the ref doesn't give it, they won't pull it back. Do you think you'd even have been on here calling it soft if it was given today? Maybe. <laughs> Sessegnon but, probably makes him, it worse for himself with the way he goes down. Tottenham do that turn as they go down, which as a ref must make you think, you're not fucking having this if that's the way you're going to do it. But I, from what you've set as a benchmark before, in terms of, I go back to David Luiz and I always reference it, 
you've essentially said you have to hide it if you're going to do it. Yeah, Trent and this is the opposite a, of hiding yeah, it here, which yeah. makes me think you probably wouldn't would have just said no. It's a, yeah. it's a penalty on sheer stupidity, and then uh, particularly following on from the Cancelo one, um, I would have thought you're in. You've got no chance. Yeah, and then moments later, Allison pumps it speculatively forward, and Eric Dyer tries to inexplicably oh. head it home from about twenty five yards. Oh God! He heads it into his shoulder. Larice charges out and makes Salah's mind up and he lifts it over him and you may have adjusted your TV because we get seven seconds of silence <laughs> after the ball has hit the back of the net while Neville and Tyler are looking at each other like, well, I'm not celebrating this. <laughs> it's to the point where I actually starting to feel sorry for Martin Tyler because it's obviously such a traumatic experience for him when yeah. we score. <laughs> And at that it's point, like a funeral just every week. Eric Dyer, if there's if there was even a discussion between him and Ben White, he makes it an easier one to win every single week. And I thought Liverpool just needed one more to make Conte quit at that point. And then again, the subs on. They made a real thing on the coverage about how Spurs are this incredible second half side. And Liverpool looked content to settle for what they had. Like what we have, we hold. And it was going okay. They had a lot of the ball, but few clear chances, Spurs. And then they bring on Kuliszewski on 68 minutes hmm. and he assists a goal inside three minutes. Spurs fans then felt Conte was harshly treated when he was booked for just punching the ball out of an official's hand, which was <laughs> baffling to me. And I mean, they, they pushed some more, but I don't remember a real massive chance for Spurs after that. Uh, oh, there were a couple. I've said a lot about how Spurs deserve more. If you only receive points for games you deserve to win, the table would look a lot less flattering for them, I can tell you. But we need to <laughs> cut that out from their perspective. At first glance, it, this looks like typical Spurs, doesn't it? They've not beaten Liverpool in the league since October 2017, a run of 10 games. They've still not beaten a top six tie this season. They're still getting outplayed in the first half of games. This was their fourth game in a row in which they've gone 2-0 down. Against Bournemouth and Marseille, they turned it around, but but not this time. And how threatened did you feel, particularly at 2-1? Very, but I won't necessarily say that that was because of Spurs. I just thought we were getting very, very open. Not really a team that can sit on a lead, certainly not at this point where confidence isn't particularly high. Um... And I thought we'd be looking really quite leggy. Within probably with 20 minutes to go, I thought we were really uh, struggling a little bit. And Spurs are in this odd, odd spot where people are asking, like, why can't they start games quicker? It's like, well, their whole thing is does seem to be that they sit. And then if you have to attack, then you can attack. And it's kind of Atletico sometimes do it as well, where they can look a really good team going forward, but it's like they're not going to do that until they absolutely have to. And as a, it's always baffled me with like cautious defensive managers when their team can do that and plays well like Spurs do obviously when they've gone behind I don't really know why you would even if you're defensive by nature start to think okay maybe we should start yeah. a little bit more on the front foot and maybe he does and the team just isn't able to do that but I, I find that hard to believe Yeah, but I do think he can say unfair is always a, a weird way of putting <laughs> things isn't it because there's, unless you know they got robbed or something but I do think they who do have fair grounds to say they could have got this game won 
and we I think we started to get a little bit oh, our Liverpool back and I don't think you should look at this game as an example no, of it because no. if, you, if you consider those two pairs of chances which were unbelievable the goal they score the long lay one right near the end is just guilt edged I mean he has to hit the target and if it hits the target he's scoring because it's just that close so they did create some pretty clear chances and didn't take them and I'm sure Conte and his sort of philosophy will go well look we did our bit and you're supposed to score those chances. So. Well, Conte addressed the halftime booze after the game. He said, first of all, I think we have to show great respect all the time for our fans. They are our fans and they pay their tickets. But at the same time, if you ask me if I was a bit disappointed, the answer is yes. I, from, I mean, I can't put myself in their shoes. It feels to me there's at least something wearing off in the we're so lucky to have this guy. And I still yeah. think they acknowledge there's few better managers out there. Like if they sack him, they're getting potch, aren't they? There's no one else they're going for. And yeah. well, I do think they do acknowledge this guy isn't a saint. Like he can make mistakes and we aren't afraid to show that. And as I've said on here, hundreds and thousands of times now, it's on you to give the fans something to cheer for. His style of football gives you very little to cheer for. And so if you are going in 2-0 down to a rival, particularly after the form they've they've shown themselves to be in, I think the fans are well within their rights to boot. The difficult thing for Spurs fans is you're you're only going to know whether they're right or wrong with this at the end of the season because it's, it's all on if he can get a trophy for them. And then you can go... This whole, the way they're playing or whatever, okay, it's been crap. But I was listening because we were obviously driving back from the airport yesterday and the phone-ins, they were like, some Swiss fans were fuming, some were saying, give it time or whatever. But they, the presenters were kind of uh, like giving the idea that, uh, well, look, Spurs never win anything. So like, this is like an inevitable way that they're going to win under Conte. Even though they're playing crap, it's going to be, yeah, but this will get them to win something. It's like, well, they might just not win anything still. And also be shit to watch. So they would be fair to yeah. be like angry about that. Whereas Spurs thing, whether you think it's accurate or not, is to dare is to do. And it's supposed to be that you're playing attacking football and we might fall short, but we'll put up with it. So that, that sort of, I think it's an uncomfortable compromise for a club like Spurs, where it probably doesn't yeah. quite fit what they think they are. Particularly after Jose. But it has to be for the, you know, for the sake of a trophy, presumably yeah. is what this is all for. So you're only going to find out come even like February for the League Cup. They're still in, I haven't gone out yeah. of that thing. So yeah, something yeah. like that. All, Got the games this week where... Or look, they could have a, a Champions League run. People don't really want to acknowledge that, but it's no. very possible they could be in the quarterfinals of the Champions League. It's not a bad draw for them. Conte's record, I think, is what goes against them there. The, the only ever European knockout game he's won is against Celtic. And it makes doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? You'd thought that style would make more sense for, for knockout football. Um but yeah, so they, they could have a run in that and then it's going to look like, well, what were you booing for? How do you feeling so entitled? But as it is, whilst it's going on, they probably are. They By the think, way, they openly revolted at times in the second half when Emerson Royale was getting the ball. Yeah. They were genuinely, <laughs> you could hear them just going, oh, no, not again. He they, is just pony. They think a lot of these big teams are going to do... You know where Klopp in the League Cup did his best to throw a game without throwing a game? <laughs> because the next round of fixtures is the day after the World Cup final. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be hideous, isn't it? So I think... Like, I was listening to an Arsenal podcast and they were like, you know, if if we 
I don't want us to lose, but if we don't win, I can't be like that unless Ulai Emery's my manager. But, <laughs> yeah, I'll still, I just, uh, my favourite thing with the League Cup is seeing the young players. And so the, the longer I can see those for them, the better. Um, the last thing I had on this... After he's put a beating on United, yeah, yeah. respect him. The last thing I wanted to say about this game, and I really made a, a point to note this down, the one man that stood out to me was Kanate. Yeah, and yeah. I say this with some pride, but if Saliba isn't in the league, we're probably talking about him a lot more. And if he isn't playing with Van Dijk, we're probably talking about him a lot more. He won 11 of his 13 duels yesterday, seven out of eight in the air. And time and time again, when the ball was delivered into the box, he was the guy heading it away. Eight clearances, five more than any other player on either team. Three tackles, two interceptions, and he gained possession on 11 occasions. Um, The only player that could match that was Hoiberg in the middle of the park. He started the FA Cup and Champions League final last year when he was fit. He's clearly clopped guy after Van Dijk. Do you think we're guilty outside of Liverpool fans of maybe underrating this guy? Probably, but that's forgivable this year because he hasn't really played. He's been out injured and, and yeah, we've been fitness. pretty horrible defensively. So, But then... When we signed him, I thought he was going to have fitness issues. Hasn't really. He's been that pretty was sound. That's why you got him, I think. And was having a... Yeah, yeah. For not a lot of money either, was it? So that, that's pretty well how it worked out. But last year, he was on a run. Playing absolutely... He's he was fantastic. playing great. And he's... Um, he do, you do feel assured when he plays. Um, it is just if we can keep him fit. It's going to be the question. France, uh, for their training camp ahead of the World Cup, they think they're going to do uh, Saliba and Kanate on either side of a back three and then it's going to be either Varane if he's fit or uh, Badia Shile in the middle oh, of God. them and that's just what they're going to move forward with. Imagine how miserable that would be as a striker. You look up and see Saliba yeah, and Kanate. if you're a little nifty one. Yeah, trying to outrun us. Jesus. Now, let's get on to the World Cup to close things out today. Gareth Southgate, we believe, is going to announce the squad on Friday. It has to be in by Sunday. So if there's an injury in the weekend's games, he does have time to change it, I think, is the okay. is the logic. If I go through, I've had my own squad done from last Wednesday. I've been ready. <laughs> I'm raring to go. Um, and I've got all the players here. So here I have, and then you tell me which one of mine you'd take out, which you'd add in from the list, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, Goalkeepers, I think, are fairly easy. We won't say who our starting teams would be now. Jordan Pickford, certain he's going. Aaron Ramsdale, certain he's going. Yeah, I'd say. Um, Nick Pope, are we? I mean, he was favoured over Ramsdale in the last game, so I would assume he's going. Any argument for... Dean Henderson, would any of you have Dean Henderson in your squads? Not over those players, though. And if you're if you're worried about keeping a good vibe in the camp, do you want that prick in there as well? What this is a big, <laughs> is a big imagine. Big. <laughs> you'd be you'd be losing you'd lose a penalty shootout, and he'd be coming away going, "I would have won that for us." You know? It's like, <laughs> "Cheers, Dean. That's what we needed." What? We're in I national thought... mourning, and you're being a cunt about it. Ramsdale gets called the camera save merchant which I think he's actually toned down this season. Um, Henderson's worse for it. He loves fist pumping. What were the, Against Spurs, they were losing. He saved a penalty and he's still jumping up and getting in the stands doing fist pumps and banging his chest. I know United fans hate him. 
But I can kind of see why this is spreading a little further now. Yeah, maybe he's just had a bit of bad PR and he's actually a great guy, but he just seems incredibly dislikable. On And it's a, probably a bad list of rules if you were to lay them out. One of our rules we've always said on here, isn't it, is don't tell us how good you are. You have to let us say it. And Mendy is the one we always reference with this. Maybe it's worse when keepers do it, but... Yeah, because even like someone who's very accomplished, when Courtois was saying, well, how am I not getting the Ballon d'Or? It's like, yeah. well, your teammate was fucking unbelievable. So maybe you just pipe down a bit. Yeah. Now, the defenders, I, I assume no one has Sam Johnston as one of their keepers here. So we can... I was thinking, the as the third choice keeper never gets near it, it's a shame Ben Foster retired because we could just got him on there. <laughs> he could have whacked the GoPro on there. And just, every time we like play someone, I was like, boy, what a frigging legend this guy is. I saw a clip of him earlier talking about the food options across the various teams. And he was saying, I'll tell you what, Watford was pretty dull with... <laughs> with the food options they had. And he's like, Man City is great. And he said, you want to go up for seconds sometimes. And at Watford, they had a guy, the nutritionist in a black suit, stood behind the counter taking notes of how many plates you've had and what you've picked up. <laughs> and he said, all it did was there's a McDonald's two minutes two minutes uh, away from the training ground and it just drove people there. So maybe that's why Watford <laughs> aren't yeah, in the Premier League anymore. Good to know where it went wrong for Watford. Uh, Man City say are the best uh, food in their hospitality in the league. If anyone I mean, was uh, fancy is, a trip, is nothing sacred? Can they have nothing that is substandard? <laughs> Do they have to invest in everything? These Did, bastards. Would you have imagined the the players have to pay for their food? Comes he out as wages, surely. He Come said. On. He said at Watford it was a hundred quid a month, which. I mean, tubes on there go, and he's like, well, that's three quid a day. It's just over three quid. It's not bad. Yeah. One of those players is going to kick off about that for sure. Well, he said there's certain players, the ones who feel that way, just load up a load of uh, Tupperware containers and bring it home with them to get their value. <laughs> Let's go on to the defenders. Um, Luke Shaw, nailed on. Yeah. Yeah, it's a given. Ben Chilwell, out injured. Yeah. I'll tell he wasn't in my squad. He wasn't. He wasn't. As that, a wing back. That's rash considering that him and Shaw are the only left footed wing back. No. I oh. take Ryan Sessignon over him. I mean, Sessignon's been drafted into mine because of Chilwell's injury, injury but how are you? <laughs> that feels outrageous. Yeah, I think, yeah, you're just, you're just, uh, no. up here. you're doing a talk sport. Right? I'm not. Jack, like, go back. Mate, go back. Okay. I had him in when he was with Fulham in the championship. <laughs> mate, it's, it's fine. <laughs> Everyone's allowed to do a talk. I don't want those accusations. One, because it's not the most egregious name on my list. So maybe save that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I genuinely, I can't look at Cucurella this season and a guy that's starting behind him, I can't say you deserve to, to be in my England squad. He hasn't been starting behind him. He's, we've just been trying to manage him and it didn't work by the looks. Yeah, I did see um, someone point out that maybe if you just played Cucurella in the dead rubber, <laughs> not too well. Um, considering he played with a, a compression sleeve on his hamstring the day before the Zagreb game. So he obviously had something wrong with it. That is an extraordinary decision. <laughs> My word. Well, no, the, the thinking for me with Sessegnon is that we are playing a back five. We are playing what Southgate has referred to as suffer ball, which is horrendous. Um, we just played under Tuchel. That's carbon cutout, you know? I think, so if you're playing a suffer ball, Sessegnon feels the natural pick. You, I mean, 
you just contradicted yourself a little bit just because why you referred to Tuckle as the Tuckle Bum for the last. No, you referred to him as tell me playing these games. Um, <laughs> but seeing as that's fairly comparable to the system that Southgate plays, you'd have Ben Chilwell in it for that reason. Couldn't trust him. <laughs> and Southgate clearly can't either. Um, I took Chilwell as just being a write-off injury-wise, so I didn't I didn't put yeah, him for yeah. consideration yeah. on mine. Well, yeah, I, I did this uh, way, way in advance, where we carried away. Let me just reel off the rest of these names in defence. Kieran Trippier, Carl Walker, Ben White, John Stones, Harry Maguire, James Tarkovsky, Connor Cody. Hmm. Those after are my seeing, defenders. After seeing Tarkovsky and Cody at Everton, they've played themselves out of my, my lineup. I'm surprised you've got Cody and Ehrlich after what you've said about that man. Well, the alternatives that I missed out. Great round the camp though. Eric Dyer, Tyrone Mings, Trent, Dan Byrne, Reese James, Mark Gurhey, Joe Gomez, Tamori, James Justin, Tyrek Mitchell, Lewis Dunk. How's hang on, Trevor Shalabar's getting absolutely slept on him. Fuck off, best <laughs> He's been brilliant. He's not to put a foot wrong. He's- oh goodness me. I, I can't believe what I'm hearing here. <laughs> Again, I find it hard to give players credit when they play in a back five. When you're playing in a back five, at least don't concede goals in Tralabar. <laughs> the, the thinking with Cody and Tarkovsky is that they are is that, playing- uh, that Champions League game with Samori just scared you off entirely? Uh, yeah, did and yeah, same as me. I'll tell you this as well. Is it okay? I'll tell you this, and <laughs> I don't like it when I go out to bat for players, and then they immediately make me look a fool. <laughs> <laughs> and Tamori did that, and I actually said on that episode, if you remember, and I had this big, I had to take make a change for future podcasts because I had that big rant ready to go about these thugs at the back. And it was a rough audience that day. I did not get the response I wanted from TK and AJ. I had a lot of reflection after that. But a point I did make about Tamori was that we all criticised Southgate when he didn't play Sancho. And we were all like, look at what this guy's doing. And then little did we know, he was actually seeing him on the training field and saying, I'm not sure you guys are familiar with his game. And I'm kind of getting that vibe from Tamori now and I'm not watching Milan week in, week out. Maybe that's the issue. It could be Southgate's issue. But yeah, they did genuinely just just scare me off him. Um, I can go, I'll go down the list of this. So Kieran Trippier, I don't think anyone has to be, doesn't it? Has an issue with. Now, Carl Walker is the only player, and you'll see this down my list, that I've included that has any kind of injury scare. Same here, I think. Um, I've gambled on his fitness. Yeah, and it. <laughs> I think there's more options for the other guys in those positions. It's just the the way Southgate clearly trusts Carl Walker. Carl Walker is the only Carl Walker and Calvin Phillips. Sorry, the only players not readily available currently from the win over Germany, which I think is Southgate's favourite selection. Mm. And we've had the uh, introduction of Jude Bellingham and some others since then. But I do think they're the players that he trusts. Ben White. Do any of you not have Ben White on your side? In your squad? No, he's in there. 
John Stones, I'd imagine you all have. Harry Maguire, um, does anyone not have him in their squad? Yeah, I don't. Okay, so let's let's hear it because I, I thought against West Ham recently, you saw his strengths, small, small uh, sample size, I'm aware. The three at the back is supposed to limit the way he can he can be isolated. Is it just is it the game time? What is it for you that he can't be in the twenty six man squad? I think it's game time and after watching England Germany and seeing how he affected the game when he played versus when he didn't, I uh I just I can't take one good game against West Ham and it just gets rid no, of no, no, everything that. before. I think that my centre back choices would have been Chalabar. Um, Stones, White, Gwehi, just mainly because. Good God. Just because they, they've been more solid than he has recently. I, I don't it's think you've got the aerial prowess that you lose with Harry Maguire with that group of players. I, I think you get the mobility on the ground, which is where we come unstuck when you play teams like Belgium and it, it, what have you. Like so Brazil. usually you need at least one kind of stopper in there so you can put I said it last time you can put the flare around one of these guys but you do probably need at least one of those in there Chalabar or Gwehi would be my stoppers Gwehi aerially is not what I've actually just realised you've just picked all the ex-Chelsea players (laughs) I don't know why that took me so long to realise very two of of the options available <laughs> yeah, but Tarkovsky, Tarkovsky and Cody have been awful. Well, not brilliant for Everton in a poor Everton team. Don't get me wrong; they've conceded Maguire's- less goals than Chelsea. They've shut, they've shut up shop. Yeah, like they've genuinely conceded less goals than Chelsea. I don't have either of them in my squad. But I think they've been all right for. I, I think they've been all right for Everton. I don't think we're the, the sample size to use here, mainly because Chalabar's only just started playing. Oh, well, yeah, really let's not talk about Brighton and Arsenal then as your two um, games you've just come in for I mean we only conceded one goal there <laughs> five in two games yeah not great but however we... I still genuinely think the way that we want to play ball at feet I don't think Tarkovsky and Cody are as accomplished or well versed in that than the players that I've just mentioned there I, I actually agree with you there my thinking is that my squad of players are going with the way still in Southgate's way of playing in that he's actually not really asking the centre-backs to play out with the ball too much. Uh, We're seeing it a lot more. The problem with Maguire is that he has the tendency to play us into trouble. And I just can't... We got that in John Stones to a degree, so we can't have two of them. Of that list, Maguire, outside of John Stones and Ben White, Maybe the best with the ball at his feet? No. From as a centre back? No. I I, I He's don't better than Tarkovsky, Cody, yeah, Dyer, Mings, yeah, which Gurhi. Is why, which is why they're Tomori. By Gurhi, not in my squad. I just don't trust him. I think if you can't play regularly for your team and it's Man United's I just I can't have that doubt. And the problem is that interesting to be your attackers in this case. I, I genuinely think he's he's starting to believe his own meme a little bit as well where and it affects the team where you want to be confident of giving the ball to your teammate you don't want mm. to be giving it to Maguire in pressure situations I'd, I'd worry can I hear your centre-backs TK 
Right, centre backs. I've got a lot. I don't feel great about it. (laughs) So I've got White Stones, Samori has made my squad, and I do have Maguire. So you bring in four centre backs. Yeah, Carl Walker. Yeah, it feels a bit loose. I don't. I've. Yeah, my my squad is a bit out there, a bit outlandish, I guess, a bit more loaded towards attacking options than defensive ones, but that's what I'd go with. How often do we need to swap out a defender? Not that often. How often are we probably going to need to be chasing? Quite a lot, I'm going to say. Uh, so, I mean, that that was the point with mine as well, is that if we were going to be starting three at the back, I'd be starting Walker, Stones and White. Tranabar would be there on the bench to, when he's needed. He wouldn't. I wouldn't have him starting every game, but I just would have him over Maguire. Maguire oh, makes my, my squad just... I I do think that he hasn't let England down before. It's a bit overused if you're playing terribly at your club. But at the same time, there isn't a huge like depth of talent who's outstanding ahead of him, I don't think. So I think a record for England does count for something in that yeah. regard when you go... I'd say Cody and Tarkovsky are worse versions than him in many ways. Fair. Yeah, uh, I've got nine defenders, seven midfielders, seven uh, attackers. Um, that's how I broke it down. The other options, so you've both made your thoughts clear on Tarkovsky, Cody. I don't believe either of you had Eric Dyer. No. no. Good but God, we're no. all fairly confident that Eric Dyer is going to be on the plane. That really hurts. Um, none of you had Tyro Mings. I think he'll probably be there and that's <laughs> scary. Can, let me ask Jack first. Jack, does Trent make your squad? He did. Okay, in, that in, surprises uh, me. Um, if Reese James had been fit, he wouldn't have, but he did make my squad. Yeah, uh, TK is a turn of events if Trent doesn't make your squad. Yeah, although I will say though, I agree with Jack. If Reese James had been fit, he wouldn't have made my squad. Okay. Um, on the basis that I, I don't think we'll play him, and he's look, he's been garbage this year. So I can't. I can't. There's mm-hmm. no the, the form. His he looks scared for Liverpool so putting an English shirt on doesn't tend to no. improve that for players so I took it as if Trippier is my starting right back or wing back I've got Walker who I can kind of either get back to fitness or put him as a third centre back if needs be and Trent is just there if we ever need him yeah. as an option but it's not and you got he's ben not going to be starting well. yeah Ben White could could move there but because I've obviously only got yeah. three centre outs outside of Ben White he's probably going to have to play centre half um, and then obviously Trippier can be covered for sure at left back as well, which again, I would have probably looked at potentially someone else, but as it is, the, so the, the way to... you have f- another left back technically? I don't have sure. another left left footed left back. No, Trippier is, I guess, my cover for that. I did um, have, I did have Sessegnon as my second left footed left back. Let me reel you through these other names then. So um, Tyrone Mings, you've explained... Mm-hmm. Anyone anywhere near having Dan Byrne in their squad? No. No. He's just too big. He looks weird. <laughs> He's he just not weird. fashionable enough. He just looked weird at left back. Just weird. Yeah, I, I agree so, with you there. Having someone six foot seven on the wing just is odd. Um, Goody Jack. I lost, I lost respect for him as well when Reese James broke his collarbone in an aerial duel. So if you're, if you're that big, at least don't be a pussy about it. Did anyone come close to Joe Gomez? No. <laughs> CK? No, I did not. I have a weird feeling he could be in there. 
I actually think Southgate prefers him to Ben White. Um, and we'll see. But I think we're going to have a is, that, shocks. That game against City, you're looking like, our, our options our options are thin on the ground. You know what? Maybe. And then he fought, who did we play afterwards? And he, no, no, he's, he's back. Uh, oh, then it was Nottingham Forest and... Um, yeah, he was even, did he start the West Ham game? I know we, yeah, he was shaky. I think he was shaky penalty, in that one. It? Yeah, you might be right. Um, I just remember he was shaky immediately after yeah. the City game. I was like, okay, this meant nothing. Three others. Um, we know James Justin was in the 55-man provisional squad. No one had him in their final squad. Anyone think of him over Sessegnon or? No. I considered him, you know, because um, I, you I liked him. I like him as a player anyway, and I thought, to be honest, he, he could have given him the nod over Trent, yeah. only because he's got that versatility to play on both sides. What about um, Tyrek Mitchell? Manu's stock seems to have really fallen. And I don't, yeah, I don't really know why because I do like him as well. Um, I think it was alarm bells were ringing when Palace were interested in bringing, bringing Wan Bissaka back. He said, "Why? What, what? What are you seeing in your guys that we're not like?" There you go. Anyone. I mean, we said about the array of the array of options at centre back. Lewis Dunk, a man who just never seems to have come anywhere near to being in. I had Dunk and Tarkovsky as my centre backs at one stage for England, which maybe shows where we were. Um, Tarkovsky, I dislike, but only because of football manager, which I really is bad. Really, just it's a real roulette with you with defence because one week you might be saying you want more flair in there and another week you're saying you want Duncan Tarkovsky or Cody and yeah, yeah. I, I can't keep up with you. My, well, I, Mine ideally, probably doesn't have enough substance, my defenders. There's probably I, a little bit too much. I would like to change the way England play, but if we are going to play this too late. way, then <laughs> yeah. I've picked the best the players I think that are best uh, fitting of that style. Yeah, I've tried to be out there whilst also accepting we're not going to play total football here. Yeah. Midfielders, I've taken on the plane Declan Rice, Jude Bellingham, Jordan Henderson, Mason Mount, James Madison, James Ward-Prowse and Kiernan Dewsbury-Hall. See, I've got exactly the same apart from Dewsbury-Hall. Well, let me explain Dewsbury-Hall first. I think, because Kelvin Phillips isn't going in my team, if I mm. think Southgate's 3-4-3 three, three is, is his ideal system and I place that Germany game as the benchmark, I think when he looks back at our performances across the last tournament, I think that's the one that he's going to feel most positive about. I think Dewsbury Hall's passing range the angles he creates in in spreading the pitch, his weight of pass, and he's not as he's not quite as astute defensively as Calvin Phillips, but I don't think the drop off is too incredible that he would be a liability. And I also don't have him started, by the way. I just think he's an option in there. Yeah, yeah. I think of the others that I'm looking at and the midfielders that didn't make my squad and won't make others. Harvey Elliott, Conor Gallagher, Loftus-Cheek, Joe Willock. Uh, my brother asked if I could put his name in the mix. So I'll never <laughs> go too far away from some uh, Joe Willock props. And uh, Eberechieze. 
I think Dewsbury Hall actually makes sense in and amongst that bunch. I think if you're trying to get some energy in there, I don't see this. I realize I'm sad. I don't see that he can't do what Henderson is, has been doing for England. That, that is disrespectful. See, Fair enough. Well, Henderson, Henderson decreasing minutes for Liverpool, does it mean he's fresher? Does it mean we can't be trusted as much? I, I don't know. Jack, what, who are your midfield options? So it was exactly the same, but I had Loftus-Cheek in, obviously. And I'm going to get a laugh here, I'm sure. I'm noticing a theme in your squad. <laughs> <laughs> he has been our, one of our better players this season. Good girls. And he wouldn't be starting, but... The way that he drives on the midfield would be a good replacement if you bang and gets tired. That's Jack wants some eye candy in the squad. That's what he's telling me. <laughs> um, yeah, he, the way the ball sticks to his feet and his ball retention is really good. And in the midfield where he's partnered with someone who's more defensive-minded, the problem is when he plays, he has to be the defensive-minded one because he has to cover for Jorginho most of the time. If you had someone like Rice next to him... Um, or even if you play alongside you, but I think they're too similar, like as in tall, ball retention, driving, I think they're too similar to play together. I think as a replacement for Jude Bellingham, he's probably, he's not as good, I would say, got like for goal output and things like that. But if he needed to come on to see the game out in the last 10 minutes or last 15, he would be great. And he's good aerially as well. So if we are conceding set pieces, etc., I think he has it all for what we, the role in which he would need to play in that England squad. TK, um, does James Ward-Prowse make your squad? Yeah, so he did. Jack has just made a good case for Loftus-Cheek. He could have charmed me there. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll stick with what I've got. I do think James Ward-Prowse, I think he might have been the last person I put in here. I thought I'd probably need another more sensible midfield option. I think he's that. I think he's underrated, actually. I think he ends Agreed. up, we end up being talking about just his free kicks. Like he's just a bit of a gimmick. I actually think when you watch him and I don't think anyone is guilty of watching too much Southampton but uh, when you do watch him I think he's always a player that I think if you're a more fashionable team I would probably really rave about you but as it is you're not getting the headlines so I think as a, as a steady option who you know like I said he isn't going to be starting but maybe we're going to need to freshen up legs in midfield I'll, I'll happily put him on there I don't see Ward Prowse's ceiling as any higher than Villa Yeah, that's not a different conversation. I know. Yeah, I, I think if he went to Villa, though, I think he would play well, and probably we'd start looking at him a little bit more, and probably give him a bit more props. But I agree, it probably doesn't mean then he would go to you know Chelsea or something. I don't yeah. think I don't think he would necessarily kick on, but he'd get a bit more praise than he does now. I think. Yeah, I was just talking out loud there. Um, James Madison. Did everyone have him in their squad? I did. Yeah. TK. I did. And when you look at the form he's in, it's yeah. just mental that we're all probably pretty certain he doesn't make the squad, aren't we, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I don't believe so. I, if he does make it, I'm taking it as a Trent style that you always reference, just to like shut up and stop going on about mm. it. Yeah. Or when he was almost basically just bullied into taking Grealish. <laughs> so yeah. He clearly just didn't like Grealish for the longest time. And it was like, well, I've basically got him and he's one of our best options off the bench now. Um. Mason Mount, was he was he in your squad, TK? 
Mount made mine. I didn't particularly like it because he's definitely going to be starting. And I think I think some of the problems Chelsea is seeing with a lack of creativity, I do think we see with England sometimes when he plays in there. I think there's an emphasis on him to do more of the creative stuff and I just don't think he does it. No, uh, but he's seen as more sensible than someone like Madison, for example. I thought he made as much of a statement as he could make with his cameo against Germany in the last fixture after we slagged England off to the high heavens and then they yeah, pulled he might out for slagged, Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, as you've referenced, it's hard to see a specific position for him. Like If he's going to start, it's probably going to be on the left wing. Yeah, and it just cuts off so much of our yeah, so much of our attacking impetus. Henderson now I'm almost certain he's going to be in there, but his stock feels as low as I can ever remember it being since the Brendan Rogers days. He is a bit old. I think that's that's what's playing against. Is he that old though? I don't know he just seems it because he's so grown up. He's not (laughs) he seems like he's older than Thiago Silva for some reason. Just, kind of like in, if someone has a kid young, you, you just assume they're really old. No, hang on, he's still the same age as you. It's just yeah, he's, had a, yeah. he's had a kid for five years. Yeah, it's, it's like <laughs> exactly that. It's like the people who were in the same year as us at school are now putting on Facebook posts asking, oh, what uniform is it for yeah, yeah, kids yeah, starting exactly. school this week? You're like, why are you, why are you worrying about that? Oh, yeah, he, that's why. I actually think he's just been harmed the most by Thiago coming into Liverpool's side because the second Henderson's legs aren't exactly what they once were that's when I think he doesn't clearly want to partner them together too much but I, I, I think he'll be in there as a we've mentioned sensible options a bit too much but that feels about as sensible option as you can have outside of the starters in midfield I think yeah, it's exactly. for like a dreading, uh, dressing room benefit as well where even if he's not playing he's in and amongst the team essentially, and there was it would be quite a young team if we're picking all the ones. That's it. You do need some experience in there, and yeah, you've people got did blame us losing the Euros on him coming on. Just if anyone did forget that, I mean, it's it's pretty hard to choose him as well, considering we've just spent the first four months of the season here in Liverpool fans screaming about why is he still playing football for them, but. <laughs> There was a section of our fans that were doing that when we were winning everything. (laughs) Winning every game that year we won the league and it was like, oh, no, no, Hendo's shit apparently. Surprised Conor Gallagher didn't make Jack's side. I think it's just come too soon for him. I think if it was in the summer, it might have been a better case. But Mm. we're seeing as we play with two in midfield and those two are Jude Bellingham and Declan Rice. It'd be good to bring on for legs but I think there's people out there that are more established in Southgate's mind. Do you think he brings Calvin Phillips, TK? See, I was just of the assumption that he was done. And then I was reading earlier that he could potentially, on that basis, would you take up a half-fit Calvin Phillips over, you know, like the James Ward-Prowse role in my squad? You'd think about it. Has he been injured? Yeah, he's been injured. He had surgery. Mind you, yeah, he wasn't playing before that, Jack. You are right. I think he'd had like three minutes or something as well at one point in the season. I thought he's just not been used. No, mm. I think in and then he got an injury. mind, he may do a 23 plus three coming back players and he may in his mind justify okay. yeah. that way. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that's right, but I think that's what he may do. Um, it would be the worst, the worst thing because if you do treat it like I would normally have 23 players, it's, you know, it, 26 it, is a big squad. Any argument for Harvey Elliott? No. 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 Any argument for Joe Willock? 
No. No. I think he offers more than several players there. Um, but you haven't got him in your squad. No, no, but we're not thinking my squad currently. Um, my squad's the perfect one, uh, obviously. You've just given it again. I've referenced it before that it'll make a lovely boyfriend for someone. <laughs> just not, not for me. Yeah, my brother messaged me yesterday saying, would you take Willett back? Well, not starting, but I would. <laughs> Stylistically, who do you think is the most similar to Calvin Phillips? Ooh. Well, this is you're bringing a Calvin Phillips replacement. I don't think there is, really. I think, you know, even... There's even more someone who could do a bit more of the Rice role. But obviously, even though I think Rice is probably the better player, I just think Calvin Phillips is just a slightly different style to most yeah. of these players. Well, I let- guess, like, Ward Prowse can do a very budget version of it. I don't think he quite has the work rate of him. No. But he can kind of switch the play a little bit better from deep and do that sort of aspect of the game. My forwards then, I, I'm taking Harry Kane... Kyle Saka, Raheem Sterling, Marcus Rashford, Callum Wilson, Ivan Tony, Phil Foden. That leaves Tammy Abraham, Jaden Sancho, Jared Bowen, Jack Grealish, Calvert Lewin, Ollie Watkins, and Danny Welbeck, because we know he was included in the 55. Cool, Welbs. I think every one of those has shown more than Jack Grealish this season. And if we're if we're applying certain arguments to Harry Maguire, then I don't see why Jack Grealish shouldn't go along with those either, because I'm not even putting Grealish in the, well, he's shown me such and such for England. Like, has he really? I think the he's had an impact Grealish, come on before. He's had, but, the thing is, which Grealish, we might need. Is there anything? Sorry, Jack. Yeah, no, no. The thing is with Grealish for me is that he, he seems like such a form player where he was in such a good vein of form at Villa because he's playing week in, week out and he's loving his football. I just don't know if he's that same guy as he was last season because he hasn't had the run to be able to put that confidence together. I don't know either of your squads. If I ask you both straight up, if you take Grealish or Rashford, which of the two do you take? Ooh. I'd probably take Rashford just because if we are chasing the game, he'd be, or if we're defending, he'd be great on the counter because of his speed. That's the only reason. TK? See, now I have both in here, but, but just for- if it was a straight choice, then I would go with Rashford at the minute because I think he is he is in better form, isn't he? He's, I think most games I've seen from Rashford this year, I've liked. I think he's got a bit more aggression about him. He does look a bit bigger and stronger as well. And he's looking direct again, like he was when he was first on. Whereas Grealish, it just looks, there's a whole lot of nothing. It's a, a lot of empty calories with it. Yeah. Whereas he kind of just carrying the ball a bit, but not doing a lot with it. Um, but I do think potentially- he could, there could be a game for England where you just need to bring him on and he's he's an option. He's ironically, a player. ironically, I was thinking he is maybe the least informed player, one of the least informed players I've got in here. I mean, Raheem Sterling is in no form and we're all going to have him there. But if I you, pick, if, if I you had a team game right, and a sub was coming on, I was watching him the other day thinking like, you might have someone like Eze over Grealish at the minute and we're not going to take him, but he's just like, Great, and he's always positive and always has an impact. Greedish isn't doing a lot at the minute. Rashford would start in an England team for me tomorrow over Sterling and over Grealish on the left hand side. I might go with you there, you know. I might. I just, like Sterling is obviously going to start yeah, in that yeah, left hand yeah. role. But I, I just, yeah, I might. I just trust, I just trust him more because. He, 
I don't think you, regardless of the chance, I don't think you can hold any of that years against him when he was literally subbed on for a penalty. That's just psychopathic behaviour. So I don't even <laughs> take that in terms of a what I call a big game player. I don't even hold that against him because he's not even been in the game. I also think he's in a different situation. I think there's more. Yeah. Going down that list, um, I mean, you can tell me otherwise. Kane, Saka, Sterling, Rashford. Does anyone not no, have any of those no. in their squad? No. Okay. Yeah, I included him under um, my midfield options. Phil this. Foden, I oh, should. Right, there's a few here squad. that I've kind of yeah. blurred the lines a little bit there. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so the other options then. So Callum Wilson, does he He's in my not one. make anyone's squad? Yeah, it doesn't make mine. Weirdly. Okay, okay. I think I've gone with Kane and Tony as striking options and Rashford to fill in in that role if okay, needed. that makes sense. It's because it's just something a bit different. And then I've got Sterling, Saka, Sancho and Foden as my wingers. My wingers, not winger options. Yeah. And you could probably bet that Mason Mount's going to play there as well. Yeah. Um, so it didn't leave enough space for him. Something to look out for this weekend. And Wilson, I think, is absolutely going to be the one to keep an eye on. If he does announce the squad on Friday and we do have a weekend full of games, when you look at a player like Callum Wilson and the injury yeah, record he has, yeah. I would not be surprised if he suddenly has a flu, if he has a tight groin. And I think that's going to be really interesting with the intensity of some of these games this weekend. I can look at Martinelli, who's been called up today for Brazil. It was unexpected. Um, and yeah, again, I, I was, love it I was taking totally by surprise because I had caught out. earlier thinking, how the hell is he not making the squad? To Oh, well, he was in the squad tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. I, I mm. question, when you look at a guy who plays with the intensity that he does, how that will change when he's playing this weekend because I don't know how he could play any different but it'll be interesting maybe some of the older guys who don't have a World Cup left um, after that Ivan Tony TK was he in your squad? He's made my squad How much yeah. do we know about this betting scandal? Because the Brentford statement wasn't a statement I don't know if yeah. you clicked on that <laughs> <laughs> I saw someone his tweet went viral saying worth a read this I was like you Did you see this Jack? No I haven't what So as far as TK, you can correct me. He's actually being pulled up on betting allegations from before he was even at Brentford. Is that right? Yeah, correct. Mental. Correct. Um, yeah. So Brentford put Ivan Tony's statement and you clicked it and it was, we're aware of the story. No further statement at this time. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> <laughs> that was the whole web page. It's the fact that yeah, that's, that's concerning, isn't it? Come on, in that game against Germany. Oof. Has he scored since? I'm not sure he's, he has, you know. He's been injured, isn't he? He was injured um, for this weekend's game. He must have scored since. That seems an age ago. Ivan Tony. Um, when was the last game? When were the last games? September? September, yeah. Yeah, England, Germany. Okay. Okay, he scored three since. He scored one against Newcastle in a 5-1 defeat, two against Brighton in a 2-0 win, and Jackie was suspended at the weekend. He wasn't injured. Right. Um, from bookings, actually. So, <laughs> um, 
I think we said at the time, didn't we? He felt stylistically the most mm. accurate replacement for Harry Kane. Mm. In terms of uh, stock dropping, Tammy, where did it all go wrong? I mean, he, has, he hasn't had a good season this season. No, he? he hasn't. <laughs> and if you're not having a prolific season in Italy, I don't know what to tell you, pal. Yeah, he's he's got um, one goal since the 12th of September. One goal against Hadjik Split, I think it was, uh, since the last England call-up in which he didn't make it off the bench. I don't think he actually made the squad in one of those appearances. So it's looking uh, spooky for him. Jaden Sancho, given up on him, I assume, everyone. He was he's, in Jack's squad. He's in mine, yeah. Jaden Sancho. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was charmed by his early season form. Obviously. What? Both games. Yeah. <laughs> both those good games. I thought he looked better in a, in a team that had possession. I still think there's a player there, personally. But I think this could be one of your worst claims ever. <laughs> I just wanted to put him in there to overshadow all the rest of them. But I think my, my attack has been Sterling, Saka, Rashford, Kane, Tony, Sancho, Foden. I mean, I can't go too wrong with that, surely. Uh, in Over Sancho, just in the names in front of me, I take Jared Bowen over him. Ooh, I don't know. I mean, he hasn't exactly been fantastic this year either, but I might go with you. I might, he I still take, might get a nod. I take yeah. Watkins or Welbeck over Sancho. <laughs> oh, my God. oh, God. And I say that hand on, hand on heart here. That's why I'm laughing, because I know it is. <laughs> I don't understand what Sancho's shown you that would suggest he would be a better fit. At least with those two, I know what I'm getting. I don't agree. I'm getting the pace. I'm getting the power. I'm getting some level of chaos. Sancho, I'm I'm getting a guy that hides from the ball when he's playing at three o'clock against Norwich. I'm not saying he's starting. I'm just saying that I would have him there. Jack, this call up Anthony Alanga then because he's playing ahead of Sancho. He's Swedish, isn't he, Alanga? Lacks a slight oversight. (laughs) (laughs) If we can get some paperwork done, (laughs) the point still stands. That man has been playing over Sancho and he is. Yeah, the fans don't even rate him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, upon second thought, you may. Um, very valid points but I stand by it I'm looking at Watkins and Calvert-Lewin's name and they're taking me back to a a dark time in my life to be honest with you (laughs) which of these guys do I want leading the line for Arsenal horrible but even even then I but the the difference there is that if I'm taking Kane and Tony I don't need either Watkins or Dominic Calvert-Lewin I need wingers and the wingers I would take is probably those. I can't think of... And Sometimes very, very he does mind. it where he puts Kane and Sterling up top and it's a, it's a weird one. I think I think Wilson provides more value in your squad than Sancho does and you don't have Wilson in there. Yeah, that is true. Is it the anti-Newcastle thing again? It must be that. It must be the subconscious part. <laughs> I didn't know that I had. Um, Jared Bowen, there was a debate at one stage as to who should be starting between him and Saka. 
Mm. Now, I've got Jared Bowen in my draft this year, so I know what a useless piece of shit he'd be. <laughs> Bar, I think, one week. Anyone making an argument for him being around? No, and I feel like I have horrible missed feelings about him anyway just because of the Mason Mount comparisons which upon reflection were probably when it comes to chance creation and goals especially last season they're closer than the Saka ones yeah that's what I mean so I I just don't I think he had a good six months but apart from that I think he's West Ham level I don't I don't see apart from the goals he gets and that's because it was so engineered for him to be the attacking threat because Antonio wasn't providing it I think if someone had the whole team set up for them to succeed, that most of them would score. He should be getting those amount of goals. Whereas as a player that needs to bring something to the table to create for others, I don't see it. All right. Uh, TK, any names that we've not covered that make your squad? No, I I will confess here outright. I didn't realise how bad Tammy's numbers were because I put him in. (laughs) (laughs) But on on the basis that... I can see the logic. I wouldn't have Sancho in there. I wouldn't have uh, Watkins or Calvert-Lewin or whatever. I I did think as I was doing my squad, what Jack's kind of highlighted there, I do have a couple of players here who basically will want the Kane position and obviously that isn't really available. But I I do also think that if you're playing like a front three... People like Tony and Wilson can play across the front. If you look, yeah. if you watch an Ivan Tony game, he's everywhere. But Callum Wilson probably could fit in if it was the last twenty. He can go down, go down the side, or even go up front with Kane. Um, and I think similar with Tammy, it wouldn't be ideal, I know. But at that point in my squad, he isn't going to be starting, and so it's do you have something different? If not, we know that Saka, Sterling, yeah. Rashford are probably going to be. Foden are going to be more your options out wide and these guys it's not making up the numbers but something different and I thought he at least gives me something whereas someone like Sancho is I don't know what he's given me just as we close out here I just want to tell everyone that buy all the stocks in Dewsbury Hall because when Southgate hears this that squad's changing and he's going to be in there and Chalabar if you really want to make some <laughs> make your money other than that I think we've just about covered everything and everyone. Liverpool drew Real Madrid in the Champions League today, if you didn't see that. Man United drew Barcelona. Chelsea got a bye to the next round. (laughs) So did Spurs, actually. But we'll be back next week. The squad will be announced. At least one of us, I'm sure, will be fuming. All of us probably when Eric Dyer's in. Alex will be here to tell us what a fantastic choice it is. And look, maybe if things go England's way, the Foden blonde hair, everyone's getting an Eric Dyer buzz cut for Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll see how we go then. But thank you for listening to another edition of Spitballing Pod. Movie Madness this week, we have The Place Beyond the Pines up against Taxi Driver. So tune in for that. We'll be back. Adios.